This is Josh Bear of your favorite comics, Raw Power and Suspect Device, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Man, he is. You should have you take every other week off. <laughs> so you can be actually engaged when you're here. <laughs> no, but then he comes back and he's like, I only read like this one thing from this one company. Yeah, who are you? I'm re- I'm leaving this shit in, by the way. Oh, so perfect. Talk, talk, That's talk great. Don't worry about it. It doesn't make us look bad. Fuck it. Our, our listeners I, always I never like it when bad. it's all of us together. So it's probably been it's clamoring for this. Clamoring like midgets. All right. Hey. Should we do this? What the? The circus is entirely. Oh, what? You hear my family yelling? Love your family. Yeah, my wife's yelling at the boys. Mm. Love the wife the best, but I love. Yeah, family. I love my wife the best too. Change that diaper. For real. Change the diaper. Right. What are you talking? <laughs> What diaper? What? Oh, she's she like a little baby girl. I'm like, dude, she's old. <laughs> Disrespecting everybody tonight. Get get the powder on it. Oh. She's 41, dude. Yeah, she is. <laughs> 41 and the five. Baby from, do your, this? from your purview. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. You dick. Yeah, I love you. You're old enough to be my grandpa. <laughs> Black oh, shit, it's on now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been speechless. Oh, Tell me about Grandpa four computers. <laughs> go. <laughs> three, three, two, one. Dap, go. <laughs> Very nice. Return of the night. No, no, no. That was then. This is now. Gonna be a little late this week. Enjoy Vince while you while you have him. He's gonna be a little late. The episode will not be released. Wait, what? That's fine. Yes, oh. I I screwed up. Yeah. The intro that I have on my phone. <laughs> guess what I did? I left my phone at work. Oh, is it the guy you had uh, dinner with? Or me? Yeah. We gonna talk about that this week? Because mm, like <laughs> we had it. Wasn't it one of the highlights of your artistic career? It was the highlight. Well, then I think we should talk about it. I recorded it. You know what? I, honestly, the one thing I miss the most when you're not here, aside from you not being here, that's an obvious one. But uh, we take for granted uh, how smooth you are with the DCB uh, promo. Really? Yeah, because yeah. I, I tried to wing it. I always feel like I'm just floundering. I'm, first of all, I'm not smooth. And the only reason why I ever would be is because I make notes of that part. Mm. So I don't have to wing it. Savvy. See, that's a, that's a trick. You can't wing it. Savvy. Because there's, there's so much offered that you're looking at. See, I'm just going to pull up the list of specials for this month. And you're like, what the hell? There's so many of them. That's true. And then it, intermingled with the new specials is the stuff that they have that they're trying to get rid of. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of hard to, to peek and poke. It's true. That's why I plan ahead. Take notes. That is true. Yeah, but we had fun with Mario while you were gone. I'm sure you did. The Talk list of people me. we're supposed to be having on is getting lengthy. We need to start knocking some of these out. Yes. Knocking some boots. Because there's a lot of folks we've told should be could be on the show, and it's been it's been a while. I think it's time it's for a, a guest. It's been a while. I tell you, if we had the person on that I talked to over the uh, weekend, man. Did you tell him that he's going to draw my jam piece? It would be the best 
No, I didn't. I didn't. It would be the best episode ever because, man, I can only hope to be as knowledgeable and charismatic and just plain damn smart as this man. Oh, good God. And it's not, you know, the Messiah complex. I'm, I do worship the guy, but that's not why I'm saying this. If he was a dumbass, I would still love his work. But once he opens his mouth, man, you are captured. Oh, nice. He could talk about, he could talk about comics forever. Nice. Yep. And this is true because it's another episode of 11 o'clock comics, episode 394. And I'm Vince B. Yeah, you are. Welcome back, man. Long, long, long time no here. And I mean, uh, seriously, because it's not like I, I get dumped. You've on been on Facebook Messenger a whole lot either. But I am David A. Price. Wow. Wow. And I'm Jason. Listen to my wife yelling at my kids. Yeah, well, I think well, we can all hear my wife yelling. Everyone in America can listen to hear my wife yelling at my kids right now. America. America. I am not listening to my wife. Uh, yelling at my kids because I am on an X-wing ready to blow up the fucking Death Star because I'm Wedge Antilles, bitches. Ah, oh, that's nice. You can be Wedge Antilles this week, dude. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a Star Wars related intro every week until that shit drops. Cool. I'm mystified. Huh? Why people? I'm mystified why people didn't immediately recognize that cloaked figure with the metal hand holding R2 in the trailer. Why did they not recognize that was Luke? They're like, is Luke in the movie? He's in the freaking trailer. I got to admit, dude. How can you dude, not see that? I got to admit something. Because I didn't what? watch the trailer, but okay. I was all excited because... Uh, you watched No, I we're, didn't. We're investors oh, in Disney. God. Yeah. And so Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, uh, was was chatting up on CNBC the day that they reported earnings. And my people and I were watching that. And... The CNBC chick was interviewing Iger about a bunch of stuff and then talking about Star Wars, of course, and then said, oh, Bob, you know, can you tell us, uh, can you tell us something like everyone wants to know where Luke Skywalker is because he's not in any of the posters or anything like that. And then Iger said with a big grin on his face, like, well, I, I'll give you guys a scoop. He's definitely in the movie. And I was all excited. I put it on Twitter. I'm like, oh, shit, y'all. I'm like, Bob Iger just says Skywalker's in the movie. And then I got like a hundred people, Mario included, saying like, you fool, like, He's been in the fucking trailer. And I'm like, all right, whatever, dicks. <laughs> one one metal hand guy is the same as another metal hand guy, I guess. And then I'm like, well, maybe he's Kylo Ren. And then no. fucking Mario again's like, nah, dude, Kylo Ren is Adam Driver. I'm like, all right, whatever, dude. I'm like, maybe I'm not reading IMDB fucking every three seconds when they're figuring out the cast. <laughs> Seriously, it's been updated. They send it out on the Morse code. But anyway, it's good to be back. And you're not, you are Wedge Antilles. You can be. Nice. I'm not going to disagree with any Star Wars related, uh, intro personality. It's all good. Dap didn't watch the trailer. And I feel like a dick now. I told you yeah. I didn't because you were like, eh, don't watch it if you didn't see it because it spoils something. And I was like, I'm not playing it. I'm watching it. But fuck it. Don't worry about it. In three weeks, I'm going to tell you about it anyway. Don't worry about it. I'm sure you will. I That's have what a bone. You just did. I have a bone to oh, pick. Oh, okay, stop. good. So we're going to, all right. That's cool. Because I do too now. No, so it's all right. Go ahead. You have the same thing that I have. We both bought, well, you didn't, you got it as a gift. I bought mine. The, uh, Funko Pop Stormtrooper on the Dewback. Yeah. I love my Funko Pops. This thing has to be the worst made Funko Pop in the history of, of, of Pops. It's ridiculous. Number one, and you know this beef already, the Stormtrooper does not ride in the seat. I don't know why you would think he would, but okay. Why Why would you make a mount that didn't fit the rider have, and vice versa? Seeing the size of the pop figures, how is it going to straddle 
this damn beast. How hard would it be to make a hole where the Well, that's the what I saddles. told you that they could do. But yeah. even the box shows them side by side. The box art, it's not, at, at no point was it like false advertising. They're like, hey, look, he rides it. No, th- there was never any indication. It's like Lone Ranger and a horse, Silver, and he can't ride Silver. Like, why would you well, package the two together? I asked you if Marty McFly can fit in a DeLorean or if any of the Ghostbusters can fit in the Ecto-1. It's just a backdrop. That's dumb. Silly. Anyway, even as two separate pieces, they don't work because the dewback is front heavy. You put it down on a flat surface, it tips forward. Nose to the ground. Boom. Please, who designed this thing? So you know what I did? No. I showed him. I got a kneaded eraser. And I pulled off a little ball and I stick it under the the offending foot and it stands. But I shouldn't have to do Mm. that. But anyway, Sounds like David a major issue. No, it's not a major issue. I heard you're not a like fan of the Dorbs. I hate the Dorbs. Why? Because they're 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 nothing. They're they're not even fun to look at. They're Pops dorbs. have a visual. No, they're not. Pops have a visual style. The Dorbs are just like blobs. I don't like them. They're not they're not designed well. Nobody cares. The only thing they care about is cheap comic books. And you know where you can get them? No idea. Oh, come on. Discount Comic Book Service, our sponsor, DCBService.com. I am overjoyed to report that the new list of specials is up, and it is amazing. All of these I have ordered. I'm backing up my words with actual actions. From Titan Books by Enki Bailao. It's the Nicopole Trilogy. You need to get this. I believe it was serialized in heavy metal back in the day. I don't know all of it was, but um, now Titan are taking all of the translated Nicopole Trilogy, slapping it in one hardcover book, cover price $34.99, your price not even close to that, 45% off, $19.24. It's a 180-some page hardcover book featuring absolutely gorgeous art by Enki Bailao. Please order this if you if you haven't already. Number two from Image ordered. It's Ted McKeever's pencil head. Oddball artists, twisted writers, demented editors, office politics, hamburgers, and a dead stripper. <laughs> it, it's in the uh, Golden Age format like all of... Um, Mr. Um, McKeever's work at Image to date. Cover price is three ninety nine. Respect. It, that's worth it for that book. But your price at DCB Service is half that. $1.99. And the uh, Pencil Head is a five-issue limited series. Last on the list, but first in our hearts, it's from Fanagraphics, written and drawn by Joshua Cotter, It's called Nod Away. It's a graphic novel. Get this pitch. This is awesome. The new sci-fi graphic novel from Joshua Cotter, who did Skyscrapers of the Midwest, if you don't know, is set in the near future where the Internet is now telepathic, and two-thirds of the world's population share information via a central hub. When the unexpected nature of that hub is revealed, Melody McCabe must develop a new hub on the International Space Station where a deep space transport waits to take a small crew to an Earth-like planet for colonization. Nodaway brilliantly moves between physical and psychological worlds, utilizing traditional and abstract storytelling styles. Now, twenty-four ninety-nine cover price. 
your price. This is a Fantagraphics book. You're going to be getting 35% off, which is kind of a big deal for Fantagraphics. $16.24. Unheard of. You got to get it. I ordered them all. You should too. But don't hold yourself to that. Just go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Gaze at the wide array of specials available to you and partake. Don't spend more than you have to. Silly people. Well done, sir. Thank you. So, uh, remember, has it you have a thank you? I do have a thank you. From Drew Van Genderen. I hope I said that right. Pronounced it right. Van Genderen. That looks right. He sent me two comics. One of which is the Swords of Sorrow, number one, um, with an amazing cover. I kind of like it. Uh, I read it, but I perused some of the tie-in books. Didn't like those. But the main series, of which he sent me the first issue, is pretty awesome. I actually ordered speak. all of them, believe it or not, because I thought... I know you did. Yeah. <laughs> and as I was going through the minis, I was like, oh, Jason. I haven't read any of them, though, so... <laughs> And he sent me from Dead Peasant a comic called Blood and Gourd. It looks kind of like a Brian Polito type thing. It's not. Um, but there is a twisted pumpkin head um, evil creature on the front amidst a field of bloody ravenous pumpkins with with uh, mouth and eyes and stuff. I didn't take a look at it yet, but it looks awesome on the front cover anyway. And last, he sent me big ass hardcover, Frank Miller's Sin City, hmm. the making of the movie by Frank oh, Miller, boy. the greatest person in the world, and Robert Rodriguez. It's a great looking book. I was looking for it. it is. There's pro, there's, um, production. Oh my goodness. Production art in here, black and white stills. It, the whole, the entire book is done in black, white, and red. Go figure. Nice. Yeah, well, no, it's not. There are some color stuff. And it shows how they did the makeup and how they sculpted the, the things to do the makeup and the props and the clothing and the, um, my God, there's a lot of sexy women in here. So great stuff. Thank you very much, Drew. Um, I'm going to get to the Sin City first. Big surprise. Nice. What you got? Well, um, first let's talk about what we're drinking. Okay. What you drinking? You want me to go first? I'm talking to Dad. Ah, uh, there you go. Uh, I'm not sure if I've had this on the show before. It is from Gnarly Head. It's a limited edition 1924 double black red wine blend. And it is pretty damn good. It, it's 1924 because uh, that was uh, Prohibition and wine's darkest hour when uh, it was deemed illegal. So it's um, apparently there were some a few uh, a few folks just uh, enjoying their wine all hush hush, and uh, it's it's pretty pretty damn good. I have to stop um, falling in love with these limited editions though because they do not stick around for long. By design, my friend. I know. That's, it says it right there in the damn exactly. label. But yeah, if I didn't like them, it wouldn't be a big deal if they left. But yeah, so there. Or you could just stockpile like a boss. You're absolutely right. If I were a boss, I would do that. 
You are a boss. You're, a boss. You're boss level. I agree. What about you, Vince? What are you drinking? I'm two fish in it tonight. Ooh. I managed to find one more bottle of the Raging Bitch Belgian style IPA. You savages. <laughs> and I also have, this is really good considering the price point. Stegmeier Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. It's surprisingly good. Stegmeier never really, you know, spun my head around, but I, I, on a whim, I tried the Oktoberfest because Oktoberfest. And it's it's really good and it's inexpensive. It, it's even less than Yingling, I think. So it's great. What's the mouthfeel like? No, I don't won't respond to that. What? <laughs> mouthfeel is a goofy word. Oh, dude, you need to loosen up, man. Those magnetic guy starts working for a living again and he's all serious and shit. No, you should say it. You pronounce it the way it should be pronounced, magneto. Right. Look at you. I'll ground I, uh, I'm going <laughs> in the Wayback Machine, and uh, I'm going back to a year, a good year, I think, for all of us, 2010. And uh, going to a little part of France called Bordeaux. <laughs> I am drinking some Chateau Plaisance. P-L-A-I-S-A-N-C-E, for those that are so inclined. I love it when you speak French. Yeah, I'm drinking a 2010 Bordeaux from the Plaisance Vineyard. Chateau Plaisance. Very nice. It's very good. Very good. It was a gift. Uh, house, you know, one of those situations where the wife throws a party with some other of the women's. And I'm sequestered to this room here. And, uh, and, and the women's bring the gifts. As part of the as part of the proceedings, and then some of them bring swill, mm. but uh, every now and then one of them brings something legitimately tasty, and this is one of those occasions. Nice. Mm-hmm. I would like to speak directly to Christina for a second. Whoa! Yeah, I presume she still listens. She does. No, I know. I'm kidding. And this this is I was going to send her an email and alert you're her. To put, to this you're, fact. you're not about to put her on blast, are you? No, it was probably just a, a common oversight, oh. but I do, I, I want the people who would normally have ordered this book to do so. But, um, in the books and magazine section of the newest previews, there is a very inexpensively priced, massive hardcover edition. I think it was released at, uh, 40 bucks and, uh, it's called The Comics, The Complete Collection Hardcover. And in parentheses, it says sale price edition. So it was originally priced at 40 bucks. It's 672 pages, um, 1300 images. It's a hardcover and they go year by year, or actually it's decade by decade on uh, newspaper comics. It's listed in the previews as 1995. On the DCBS site, they have it marked 30% off for $28. Mm. So I just want to let them know because they probably would get a lot more orders mm. if it was 30% off to $20 for a 672-page hardcover. I want it and uh, not at 28 bucks. They'd probably handle it a lot sooner, though, if you just sent them a message. They would. By the time They'd this have... gets out and they listen to it. and But this is our medium. Email's not my medium. Oh, no. we know. Trust us. We know. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, Christina. Just check that out. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's right. I don't. I doubt it. If it's listed in the previews as ten dollars cheaper, but check it out. Mm. So there. Let's talk about comics. I miss you guys. I want to hear what you had to read. Lots of stuff, man. Why is David laughing? No reason. 
Because if you missed us, you could have listened to the last episode. I'm not doing that. No. Mm. Yeah, I can't listen. Why not? I'm too busy. Oh, stop it. I don't even listen to music at work. Why not? No, I can't. Nobody does. Huh? That's, it's, it's high energy, man. I cannot put the headphones on because I have to be alert and aware. I don't like the difference. I'm sorry. I don't either. But it's, it's what should, it's what should be. So what'd you read? Tell me. Well, the most interesting thing I read this week, um, was something I don't think either of you have read yet, but I know for a fact that you'll both enjoy it. And Vince, being a uh, heathen like myself, you will in particular enjoy it. I am a heathen. I am speaking about um, The Goddamned, number one. Oh, really? That came uh, out? Yes. It did, yes. Um, there was really no way I was going to dislike this book because it's written by Jason Aaron, and it is drawn by R.M. Guerra. It's the Scalped Team Reunited. And it is, uh, by their own words, essentially their look an irreverent look at the pre-flood Bible. <laughs> so it's an image book by the scalps team about what happened before the great flood. And nice. it is fucking irreverent as can be. We are introduced to Cain, who is, uh, a, a, a quite good looking blonde nude dude who's laying in a pile of shit when the book starts and he comes to, and he was left for dead by a bunch of cavemen heathens and he proceeds to slaughter them all and take his shit back. And he's been alive for 1600 years because of course he created the concept of murder and has to pay the price by walking the earth. Um, we are introduced to uh, Noah and this is not your mom and dad's Noah. This is like an Attila the Hun guy that happens to be Noah, and he's going around the world capturing animals, every animal he can find, and putting them in cages. Um, R.M. Guerra is just his style. I mean, Vince, you you have to see this book because I I know you were not a huge fan of Scalp because of the subject material, right. but um, I love Guerra's art. But this is even. I mean, this is raw stuff. I mean, this is like, um, this is like. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, 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 a it's like, uh, Barry Windsor Smith on like, on like a day where he's tripping. Like, <laughs> like it's just, it's just, there's so much like visceral passion in the, in the line work, but it's just messy. It's, it's, it's detailed, but messy. And just he, Gareth's so confident. Like he's not, he's not worried about it. Like being anything other than what he wants it to be to tell the story. And it's just, uh, You're speaking my yeah, language. I know, I know. It, this, it's it, the book looks like an indie book, for, you know, like an indie book from the the early '80s. Um, only it's it's irreverent Bible reinterpretation. Um, I just loved every second of it. It's 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 vile. It's adult, very profane, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just too too good. It. Uh, it's it's going to be one of those books where I'm sure that once it hits the mainstream, there's going to be plenty of uproar about what what Aaron and Gara are putting on the page, because uh, Jesus. If there's any, but I mean, really, this folk tend to get a little worked up about 
this kind of thing. And, and, and I don't know Aaron's religious position. I, I think he's an atheist. I think that's, I think he's actually out on that, but I, I might be wrong there, but either way, um, he, he's, he's suffering. No, he's, he's, he's definitely going at it, man. He's going at it. So this may be my new favorite. Book yes. Once, yes. once I read it, it's uh I'll be really interested to see how this does commercially. Because it's it's a he's obviously an A list creator and his other image books are selling well. So um, I, I imagine this is a book of some uh, some import and some uh, there's probably some decent expectation for it. But but after reading it, I thought, man, I'm going to love every every page of this series while it lasts. But I wonder how long it's going to last. So why don't you buy the entire first issue? <laughs> uh, no, serious, no. Hit him hit him up. Get it now. No, no, I'm good. It's going to be a TV series, and then you'll be rolling in the dark. Oh, I don't think this will be a TV series. Hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know. But stranger things have happened, right? But yeah, I was re- I was re- I was rewinding to oh I don't know a month or two ago when you were remarking that you thought Image was having a down year and that they, they really weren't putting out series that were having the impact of recent years. And I disagreed with you a little then, but um, I really think of late they. No matter what you may have thought a month or two ago, I think they're on a pretty good streak right now with some of the stuff that's been coming out of late. So, um, so I, I and this is just yet another feather in their cap this year. So, I presume neither of you have read this yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, not it, it yet. came out Wednesday. So, it just jumped to the top of my list. It, as our people are listening to this, it's just come out. Cool. We are kind enough. Our good friends at Image are kind enough to let us get copies to read before the release date. So I guess I'm actually talking about it technically the day before it hits the stands. Yes. They don't know that. Well, they do now. I just said it. Right. Well, because you let the cat out of the bag. All right, though. It is okay. It is. You know what else is okay? My brother Dap, who I love so much, is going to talk to me about, about amazing Spider-Man number three. now. That's what you're going to tell me. You really want me to, huh? I thought, I I thought you wanted to read it. Um, I have no such concerns. I will read it when I get it in my box, okay. but your opinion on the book is far more important than me well, reading it. I just, I meant that. I'm if, not bullshit. I, no, either. I know. I know. And, and, and if anybody was going to talk negatively about a Spider-Man story, it's still something that I'd want to read just because it's a Spider-Man story. But my talking about issue number three may just push the issue further down the pile for you before you get to it is, is what I'm saying. It's not this, this quote unquote review will not make anybody really run out and get the third issue of amazing Spider-Man if they haven't yet. All we're asking is you be honest. That's it. I, there was a real cool homage panel, uh, that harkens back to the first issue of amazing Spider-Man. Oh, and it just happened to coincide with Mr. Disco's birthday. Yes. Nice. And it was, uh, and, and with the approaching anniversary of Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette, it was rather ironic oh. that, uh, this is the part where we say, don't you think? <laughs> because a little too ironic. The, uh, the, 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 the character who ends up in the, in, in the, the, Enclosure that Spider-Man was in ends up being the Human Torch. 
So it's a nice little ha ha, look, I got you just like you guys got me way back when. The, uh, is the third issue of a, uh, and the third part of a story that, uh, that started recently, well, with, with, with the relaunch. And the first two issues were like, okay, you know, they, they were, the first issue ended and picked up kind of where we left off after, after the wedding and, and it was, there was the whole thing about Spidey and S.H.I.E.L.D. against the Zodiac. The third issue, not so much. The third issue, actually, S.H.I.E.L.D. reaches out to Spider-Man to let them let him know, you know, hey, we need you. But he's talking to Johnny Storm, and Johnny's like, you got to go? And, and he's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. It's a low priority. Motherfucker, you've been trying to find these dudes... And, and you're gonna consider with the whole webware and, and, and they're gonna access the servers and get everybody's data. And you're just gonna be like, nah, don't worry about it. They got this. If, I thought with Peter Parker, everything's a priority. I don't understand some of the choices he made in this issue. Uh, it was, it was just weird that they kind of, it, it, it just kind of killed the flow a little bit. I mean, not that not that this was one of the the, the best Spider-Man stories ever told to begin with, in, in my opinion. But it, it just this kind of if it if it's not a big deal for Peter, why should it be a big deal for me? Why why should I care now if if he ever gets to take care of of Zodiac or or, or makes them answer for their crimes? It's it's I mean, it's cool and all that you want to hang out with Johnny and and what was weird is that. When it's announced that Parker Industries, their New York location, is the Baxter building, Johnny kind of loses it. And he goes and... I kind of don't blame him. Literally flies off the handle, hot under the collar, whatever you want to say, gets there, and and he just he starts... They have their... I'm mad at you, we're going to fight, and then we'll... And, and we didn't even get a team up out of it because there was no, no actual team up. It was just, it, it, it was a mostly conversation with, with some collateral damage. But the, uh, when, when they get to the lobby, you know, Peter's like, well, listen, the Fantastic Four, they will always have a home here. And there's this really nice statue that, that Alicia, uh, that Peter commissioned Alicia to make and, and, and it looks amazing. It's, it's the four of them and the two kids and it, and it looks great. And, and Peter's like, you know, fool, if you just came in through the lobby, you would have seen this and would have saved us a whole bunch of time and, and me a lot of money because of all the shit you damaged. But when they were introduced or reintroduced to Harry Lyman, who appears to be Actually, you, you, you will recognize him right away. He took his mother's maiden name because the name Osborne kind of has a bad connotation to it. But Harry appears to be lobotomized. Why? I just don't know what happened to Harry Osborne. And mm. he, he and, uh, you know, he's Peter's best friend and, and, you know, he's basically handling the business side of things. And he's, he's like the business manager of, of the New York location. He's making sure the place runs well. Uh, but the, the, we, we do cut to shield and, and they're dealing with the Zodiac. So, you know, that, that plot line continues. Uh, 
but it was just, it, it was, this could have been a backup story in one of the first two issues. We didn't need a whole issue devoted to this because it kind of did, it, it, it did just kind of kill the flow a bit for me. I, I was not loving this issue after trying to kind of, I wasn't trying to love the first two issues. I, it was still Spider-Man story. I was still digging it, but it was just like we've talked about the past few weeks, Vince. It's just, it's not, it's not one of my favorite Spider-Man stories. So it's, right. I'm not, and, and yes, there, there there's always going to be the lulls. There's always peaks and valleys with, with, with any, long running character, you know, they're, they're not, old. but it, but this is, if, if this is the, the new status quo, if this is the relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man, of, of Marvel's flagship character, and I want to run with this, first of all, you're going to have the Zodiac be your big bad, and it, it, that's just not cool at all, but it just really wasn't a great follow-up issue for me i i i wanted i just wanted I, I wanted to continue reading the story that they started with i mean and, and we see the clash again so that was cool because it, it was it was the call back to to the previous spidey story and and the and the early years with the point zero one there were there were some neat things in the issue but again it, they 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 kind of just padded out the the few pages that this issue consisted of and and I, for just a few things about you know bringing in the, the the baxter building so this way you know the people at marvel know Mar- marvel fans know that you know that the building the characters are still around even though you know ben grimm's in space and here's johnny storm and and who knows what's going on we're reading sue right now it, it seemed that they were just trying to make sure a few notes were hit without really Having the, the, the main story progress much. And, and I wanted to like it. I just, I kind of didn't. Understood and agreed. I gotta say, I still stand by my statement that I've never truly read a bad issue of Spider-Man. Right. There's, there are some that haven't been all that hot, right. but I always get a certain amount of satisfaction just from seeing Peter Parker. Just from seeing the spider suit and, and the, the familiar gang and the environment and just, I, we, we love Spider-Man. We do. This new incarnation, I, I'm not feeling it. I know. I'm just not. The, uh, it's, it's far too tech heavy. And Peter Parker, yes, he is adept at many of the disciplines. Um, th- this whole Tony Stark light, I can't really say I'm enjoying it. I don't dislike it because it's Spider-Man. There's still, I, I still chuckle at the appropriate times and, um, my, my, uh, interest is, is, is captured to a certain extent mm-hmm. because it, again, it is Spider-Man, but that's the easy part because the character has been around for so long. I think with every new year, it's increasingly difficult to tell a great Spider-Man story. And there's still, and I, I agree with you, especially if you've been 
writing it for as long as Dan Slott has been writing it. He still has a handle on Peter Parker. You still get that humor. There's st- the, the character is still there. Right. But now it just is like, okay, well, I've had him be taken over by a bad guy and, and I've written that version of Spider-Man. I've written, which was awesome. Yep. I've, I've written the, the, the down on his luck Spider-Man. I've, I've written, he, he's, he's basically just, Going and, and writing different, not versions, but just a Spider-Man in a different situation or, or just, you know, in, in, in a new outfit. And that's, and that's fine, but there's still needs to be something more than just the blue and red suit. Um, right. I think Dan Slott is very crafty. Yep. There, there is a reason that he and Christos Gage were focusing so heavily on the black cat. Because I, I'm, I believe that this current status quo with all of the good fortune and luck coming to Peter Parker is only, um, elevating the character only to be leveled by the black cat. Not, not long after. I know it's gonna happen. You know it's gonna happen. Successful, wealthy, Respected Peter Parker is not Peter Parker. He's the martyr. He's the whipping mm-hmm. boy. He needs to be down on his luck. Sorry, Pete, but that's the way it has to be. Yeah. He, he sacrifices for everyone but himself. He's, he's even his own happiness. He, he has sacrificed. That's who Peter Parker is. He's the caretaker. He's the one who maintains. He's the one who looks out for everybody, everyone but himself to have the successful jet setting, um, high tech, you know, businessman. That's what he is. He's a businessman. Yeah. I just, it's not working for me. I would much rather read a story about, you know, t- uh, 20 pages of Peter Parker standing outside Carly's door thinking of he should knock or not. You know, that's Peter Parker to me, like the nebbish, the guy who just can't make a decision mm-hmm. sometimes. And, and, you know, a hot woman looks his way and he melts that, but this is just, it's strange. And it's it's setting him up for a fall, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I would absolutely. think that's given, right? I mean, that's that's the nature of his his arc, right? He always is to have failures to and successes to offset one another, right? Yep. He became Spider Man through his biggest one of his biggest yeah. failures. So that's hot. Oh, you could hear that, Jesus. That's damn, that's damn yeah. hot. Talk about it. She's 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 saying it in a French maid outfit. She's really Picking not. up a quarter off the off the floor. She's yeah. really not. <laughs> I got something. I know you do. I'm a little bit mystified. Are you? Just a little, just a little bit, yeah. Because you know, and I know, and everyone who listens know how enamored I am with Valiant. Yeah. Uh, of the three of us, I think I'm by far the biggest fan. Yes, that's safe to say. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I read a bunch of Valiant, and I am so impressed, almost across the board, Valiant has achieved a near-perfect level, a balance of, of, of great stories and great art. I, it's, it's, it's not even a stretch to say that, because I'll just pull these books out. i got a stack of Valiant books here. Pull these books out. Imperium. By Joshua Dysart. Scott Eaton's doing great stuff on Imperium, right? Then you got Butch Geis on Bloodshot Reborn. Seriously, right? 
Jeff Lemire writing. Uh, Ivar Timewalker, Fred Van Lenti, Perry Perez on art. Solid, super solid. Ninjak, Steven Segovia is drawing Ninjak, and it is gorgeous, written by Matt Kent. So I'm just proving a point here. Clayton Crane on Rye. Does anything else need to be said? Matt Kent writing. Okay. There's, it falters a little bit on unity. Jose Luis, he's good, but he's not in the league with their big names. Matt Kent writing unity. Then you got Exo Manowar with Rafa Sandoval. Robert Venditti writing. The, the point I'm trying to make is Valiant produces beautiful, well-written books. Which mystifies me when I get to Book of Death, their upscale format, spot varnish, tent pole event, right? Written by Robert Venditti. And then you got Robert Gill on the art. What did I say? I know. It didn't bother me at first, mm. but it suffers by comparison. And I'm not saying Robert Gill's art is not good. It It is of a certain level. Yes. But. It's it's not – I wouldn't look at it and I don't look at it and say, you know, this guy's just not with, ready. With the, he's not ready for he, – he's not ready for mainstream comics. He's he's ready but there are still hurdles over which he has to jump. Oh, yeah. I mean I, I was reading the third issue of Book of Death and when they're in the infirmary. Yeah. Uh, what's up? Why did she get longer – why did they stretch her out to make her heal? I, it was just, it's the weirdest thing. But any, any artist with the exception of Clayton Crane that you mentioned, you could swap and have them do Book of Death and have Gil do that other that's book. The, that's the thing. I would love to have seen a Scott Eaton Book of Death. I'm, right. And I, and I read the, the Book of Death tie-ins and I got to the Book of Death, The Fall of Harbinger. Oh my God! Why did they not put Kano on the Book of Death main series? Have you read the Fall of, of Harbinger? I, I did not yet. No. Oh my God! But I goodness. did flip through it. It, it. The art is 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 not, and it's it's packed. Every page is like four, oh, five, was, six, seven panels. Jesus! And it, it features your buddy Peter Stanchek, who you love oh so much. Oh my God! He's my BFF. He's, yeah, but um, no, I I just and and when you think about logistics, Book of Death. Fall of, of Harbinger came out on issue three. I bl- yes, on issue three of Book of Death. So if you're looking at the schedule and you're into planning such things, why was Kano not pegged to do the entire Book of Death miniseries? Why was he put on a tie-in and, 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 um, Robert Gill put on the main book. It doesn't make sense where you have this event where you want everybody to pay attention and stand up and, you know, look at what you're doing and you put somebody who is not tentpole ready. This, this is your big mini series. This, this guy is not the best choice. Let's just put it that way. Even Braithwaite, his stuff in, in Book of Death's not all that great. No, I know. It's, yeah, it's just just like okay, I got a couple pages of fill. Here we go. And but Braithwaite is really good. So an artist of his experience, and 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 the requisite chops that come from that experience, he could he could coast a little bit, and many wouldn't notice because he is so accomplished. This Robert Gill, not so much. I'm sure the the guy is trying. I'm I'm not pooping on on Gill's work. 
if it was on a book like EXO or maybe even like, you know, uh, Unity or the Faith miniseries, great. That's fine. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. But on their main miniseries, that's, it just doesn't make sense. Right? And I'm, I agree with you. Um, and one thing I'm trying not to let, one thing I'm trying not to let get to me is the fourth issue of Book of Death. Nah, you don't actually believe that's true. No, 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 I didn't read it yet. I'm just oh, okay. the, 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 the presentation, the packaging of it, the marketing of it. The fourth issue is a flip book. Yes. Love the flip book. I love the flip book. But, and I'm, I'm looking past it because I'm like, all right, so at the end of each issue of Book of Death, they have their digital content and what you can expect to come up. There is no need for that in the fourth issue because it's the final issue of the miniseries. So instead of that exclusive first look digital content stuff, we'll give you a preview of an upcoming book, but it, it still just kind of feels a little tacked on, or I wonder if, you know, did, did they really, once I read it, I'll, I'll, you will understand. No, it I, and, and I know I, I'm, and it, I mean, Eternal Warrior is all up and through Book of Death and what he's trying to do with the Geomancer and, and it's, but just see, I'm of a different opinion. I think it's the perfect place to preview this. But once I so once I get to the fourth issue and I finish it, no, no, I, I'm just I don't. I'm hoping that I won't get to the end of the fourth issue. I'm, I'm just I I just want the story to to come to a natural conclusion without me and right now I'm thinking okay well did they rush it or did they just pad it out <laughs> because now they have all these extra pages we're going to throw a preview in it I just it so so you want the the tiger to stop wearing its stripes or its spots you know what these companies do Marvel does it DC yes. does it Valiant does it even though you have a mini series that says it's four issues it's not going to end at the fourth issue I'm not saying that that book of death doesn't but there are plot threads that do not. Henceforth, the next series. No, I mean, that's how. That's how they do right. it. Right. But it. But with with okay, Amazing Spider-Man with its God only knows how many extra pages in the first issue. Every every Spider-Man spinoff title gets a few pages. But it was in the book. They didn't. You didn't get to flip it over and be like, "Hey, surprise!" It's like they. It's. <laughs> I, I think it's just the, the 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 marketing of it. Like if it was they. I don't remember the last time they've done a flip book like this. They, they didn't do it with, with, with the Valiant. They didn't do it with, it, it just, it, it's like, Hey, here's, here's an extra cover of a first look. It, it just, if it was at the end of the issue without any, you know, bringing any attention to it, that would sit a lot better with me for some reason. I, I can't explain it, but I, it's, but, I'm not looking at that cover because I'll be enjoying the spot varnish cover of the, of the fourth issue. That's just so nice. But it, it, so it nice. is. Um, Did you look at the uh, the art for the um, Eternal Warrior, Wrath of the Eternal uh, Warrior number uh, one? Who is it? Uh, Raul Ra- 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 Allen. Oh my god! Oh, it is unbelievable, unfreaking believable. How nice this book looks. Again, it's that's what I'm saying. Good story, good art, that's valiant to me. The, arguably, though none from me, the best looking mainstream book of 2015 was The Valiant. It did not get any better last, this year. 
It didn't. You 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 read the book. What, I did read the book. Think, what compares to the Valiant that came out this year from a mainstream company? Well, as I fill out my my eleven o'clock ballot, I will let you know. I was just going to say exactly. Nothing did. But yeah. more importantly, if you agree with Vince, then you can vote for the Valiant and the eleven o'clockers. But if you don't agree with them, then you can vote for what you think should be the answer. And I'll delete them. No. You will not delete them. <laughs> I'm the one that's curating the answer. <laughs> I'll put my Jason mask uh. on. Have fun with your wife, and then yeah, I'll yeah. release priorities. <laughs> oh shit! Shout out um, to Valiant, by the way. Yes, Hunter Gordonson reached out to us to say hello, and we may be having a tour and a meeting with them soon. So I cannot wait. Yeah. I cannot wait. But the thing that makes me the most um, sad about the whole book, book of Death scenario is it's a great story. I think the story is amazing. It's it's a classic story. Eternal warrior. It's like the, the the heroic cycle. You know what I mean? This guy is just trying to stop bad stuff happening. You have Master Dark looking for Tama, the geomancer from the future, to eradicate her. Why? Because the real geomancer, the one he kidnapped and is torturing to suck his power out, if if uh, Master Dark eliminates Tama, all her power goes to David. Once all that power is in David, Master Dark is going to suck it out and become unstoppable. That's that's a it's a great storyline. And you have um, the Eternal Warrior just trying to stop things, but he's not seen as a good guy in this book because Unity's like all this stuff's happening. It's Tama, the the Geomancer. She's making it happen. No, she's not. But they're after Arik, not Arik, um, Gilad, because he's protecting Tama. It's just a great freaking story. Uh, underrealized, though, on the page. Unfortunately. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice, and, and I don't really want um, Robert Gill to think I hate his work. I don't hate it. I'm just thinking, I, I look at... at uh, Kano's work, and I like wonder what could have been if that guy was in charge of this book. What highs could have been hit? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I also read, like I said, the fall of uh, Harbinger. Do you want to know what happens? No. <laughs> Come on, your buddy Peter Stancheck is in so here. I'll read it. Oh, he's an Omega level. There's only been one other Omega level. Oh, gee, I wonder who that could have ever been. Who is it? Tell me. <laughs> it's not Toyo? Yes, it oh, is. Oh, really? Surprise. And Toyo uh, got so powerful oh, boy, oh. That, he, that he had to leave the planet. Yeah. He takes off. And then one day he comes back. And this is the story of what happens. And it's insane. You think Mr. Morrison is high concept? You gotta read this. Did you hear about this Morrison Santa book? No. Is it anything like his, uh, his India books? Which I just can't wait to read. I don't believe No, that. I honestly don't know. I, 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 uh, I, I heard the, uh, iFanboy crew talking about it and, uh, he's got a mini series right now that's about the origin of Santa Claus. I'd rather Krampus. Huh. Anyhow, one more before I go. Before you go. You know what I mean. Book of Death, The Fall of Exo Manowar. Now, Arik is long past. 
and supposedly they built a, a museum in his honor because of all the great deeds he did. And it's really cool the way it was constructed. The um, like his grandfather, the river was diverted in order for them to bury him next to his grandfather, and then they let the water flow back, and they built this museum over the grave with a glass, a room with a glass floor, so you can see the water flowing over Arik's grave. It's really cool. But uh, Brother Trill wants to unearth the coffin and get the armor because uh, in his mind... Ark is a, uh, he's the only one worthy to wear the armor. He's like a mythical figure and he should be, should be worshipped as such and the armor should not be in the hands of disgusting, uh, germy humans. So he wants to take the armor back. But unfortunately for Brother Trill, Ark has spawned over the, uh, the years and it's very touching and pretty awesome. And I would love for them to maybe continue this possible future in a, maybe a what if series. Like what if, you know, Book of Death was, uh, the, the stuff that was in the Book of the Geomancer actually happened because Ark's daughter is a hotty toddy. Mm. Oh, did I say daughter? Sorry. Spoilers. <gasps> oh my God. It, it's nice. amazing. Um, it was written by Robert Venditti, of course, with art by Clayton Henry. Come on. And Andrew Dahlhaus is also involved in this. I, uh, there may be books that have really not, like Book of Death, um, really not, uh, set my world on fire, but like Amazing Spider-Man, I have never read a bad Valiant book with this relaunch. Every single title has been very good. Most of them have been great. I have the utmost respect for what they're doing. He's I wonder I who Vince's publisher of the year is going to be. He's down <laughs> on image this year, and he talks about Valley mm, every week. He said much about Dark Horse lately. It's true. I I've talked a lot about Dark Horse this year, though. If you go back and listen to the episodes, most mostly because of BPRD and the Hellboy stuff. Um, and DHP, but I love Valiant. I'm I'm really enjoying what they're doing. Well, that's good. That's the point of comics. Yep. Right. Hmm. Deb, you want to? I, I I'm curious to tag team on something that you said you read, so I read it because you. So I figured we could. But but I'm I'm more interested in hearing what you have to say on this one. Okay. The James Bond joint from IDW. You did read it. I did. Okay. Um. You mean from Dynamite? From Dynamite. Sorry, from Dynamite. My apologies. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed the art. And you can always tell it's an Ellis book because of the lowercase lettering. I was but it's, say Warren Ellis, uh, writing <laughs> the art. What's the artist's name? Uh, Masters? James Masters? No. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you in a second. Vince will look it up. Uh, the, it's not, it's not your Daniel Craig. 007. It's not really any of the 007s that, that that you've seen in the um, in the movies. 
I thought it was a really, I thought it was a good setup issue. Jason Masters. Thank you. I yes. was right. Uh, because there was, it, it really, it would have been neat if it, it, the, the, the beginning of the story actually did feel like the, um, the little mini movie you get before the credits roll, before the, before the theme song starts, uh, where, where James is on a revenge mis- mission. And then he gets back to MI6 and it was, it was dry in that regard. It wasn't, uh, it's, it's not very action packed. And the whole thing about the, the drugs doesn't really feel like a James Bond story to me. And that's where the Warren Ellis ism comes in to the story because that, that felt like just something that he would have used any particular mainstream comic book character to tell a story about. So it didn't really feel like a James Bond story except for the fact that everybody's calling this guy 007. He, uh, he has to go see Q, uh, We've never seen James Bond eat lunch at the MI6 cantina. Exactly, dude. Where the fuck did that come dude. from? So it's like, we even have a close-up of the dude with the little sandwich and, and, and from the vending machine. With, I was just like, that's different. All right. You know, maybe it's like that you cannot, you shouldn't, but you cannot judge a book by its cover. This, the, the covers that I've seen for this miniseries look amazing, whether it's Masters original covers or it's any of the variants, but the covers give it a very designy feel to it. It, it. it looks like they would work for pretty much any James Bond movie poster, but then you get to this and the story is just kind of not, it's, it's kind of slow going. I'm waiting for something to happen and I'm hoping it starts with the second issue because I did, um, I purchased the, the the first three issues with DCBS. So I, you know, I kind of want to. It's either I think it's a six issue or an eight issue miniseries. But I'm kind of, you know, I just I'm hoping we go somewhere with it, and I'm hoping I get some more um, of the James Bond that I'm used to, and that's and and that that could be Daniel Craig. I mean, it's 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 been so long since I've read any of the novels, and I've only read the first few, so I don't know if Ellis is basing this version of Bond on any of Fleming's other novels, but uh it's he kind of looks like the character from the novels. I have no problem with that. It's uh it's just not your typical you know, there's he's he's not in a car driving around. He's not hitting on women. He's not it's it's just it's it's almost an un James Bond story. Well said. <laughs> I I don't I, I mean I, I want to keep it positive and all I, I I but I hated every single thing about this. Oh book. my god! Like there's not a single there's literally not one single thing about this book I liked. <laughs> like I didn't like the art. I you didn't I, like I, the I, art. Okay, not at all. No, I thought it was extremely stiff. I and, and just just it was it was this to me was art that I expect to see in a licensed book. Just just oh competent, okay, competent but but. But not much more than that. Um, I was surprised I like, that in my book, actually. Like you said, it's uh, it's 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 no James Bond I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, it's it's first of all, dude looks like Archer, which mm-hmm. I get is sort of in a meta way, like Archer is supposed to be like, a, but but it looks like Archer. Um, 
you, you got you mean you got Money Penny who does look like the movie Money Penny. She's a right. black girl. Then you got uh, then you got M who's a black dude, but that's new. That's cool. I'm digging that. That's fun. Um, but then, like you said, like I, that's about where it begins and ends in terms of stuff I could say. I like, like, I mean, he uh, oh, he has man. to hand his gun in. He they, hands they, his gun they, in. They're, they're and instituting then, a hard and, rule where where no guns are allowed inside Great Britain. Yeah, and then Q's making fun of him, calling calling the Walter PPK a little girly gun. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the fucking Walter PPK dog. Like, <laughs> this is like the iconic thing about James Bond. Um, no car, no gadgets. The 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 special <laughs> moment where Q gets him a new weapon is a fucking hollow point bullet. It's a bullet. I'm like, yeah, dog, they're called hollow points. They've been around for about thirty years. That's cool though. He's like, it's a bullet that shatters inside the body. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, my dad had that as a cop in 1982, but that's cool. It's cutting edge. Um, you dog. He's being. He's he's been. Double eight. Double eight is 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 on to a better place. And so M's like, all right, man, you have to handle 008's caseload. What? What are they fucking detectives now? Caseload? <laughs> like, his mission's, dude. Caseload. What? <laughs> and then the case involves a drug deal. I'm like, what's Bond? Bond's saving the world, dude. Yeah. He doesn't care about narcotics. Nope. Uh, uh, oh, man. And then, like you said, the cafeterias. I wanted to, I wanted to fling the comic up into the air and take target practice with it, like ski shooting. When I saw him eating... In a cafeteria table, sitting on a cafeteria chair, eating a fucking wrapped up sandwich. <laughs> I'm like, Bond has not eaten a sandwich since he became Bond. Like, dudes, dudes playing baccarat and eating a lobster tail. No hot chicks. He's not banging anybody out. I mean, I don't even like. I don't know if Warren Ellis is just like, all right, I'm gonna let's let's make Bond as non-Bond as I can. Like, I it, it just I am baffled. I want no part of issue number two. I am oh. out, man. I am one and done. Damn. I am oh, well, you mentioned Ar- Archer, and I think that's a good time to uh, send some uh, some love. Yes. And, I saw uh, that today. I couldn't fucking believe it. Go ahead. Love, holy shits, and brother, we're glad you're relatively okay to uh, Mr. Kevin Mellon, who... Um, Narrowly escaped being crushed by a tree. Yeah. A tree fell on his house. Yeah. And, I, uh, I, 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 yeah, you're right. Good call. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And, um, brother, we're glad you're, we're glad you're not dead, mm-hmm. Kevin Mellon. Absolutely. He, I can only imagine what that, what that feels like. And, and he, he posted a, a picture on Facebook of him in his hospital, uh, room with, with his two buddies. And, oh my goodness. The, Brother, big hug. Yeah, for real. That's well all I could said. say. Yeah. Was he well in said. the news? Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, he was awake the whole time, but yeah, I am so glad he's okay. And hopefully we'll, um, we'll see him in Chicago. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, so thank, oh, thank you, Jason. I, I will avoid the bomb. Oh yeah. No, I, I mean. Now, admittedly, as you guys know, and I won't get into it because no Dap hasn't seen it, but but I really, really dislike the movie. Like I like I genuinely, I, I haven't disliked the movie in the theater, like completely disliked something, and I can't remember the last time. And I I really did not like this movie at all. Like spec. Wow. Yeah, I re- I was just I mean I I don't know maybe I'm just maybe it's a bad week for Bond for me. I just 
I went to see Spectre on Friday because my family was away and I was like, oh, I'll go see because I didn't think they'd want to see it. And I loved Skyfall. We all gushed about Skyfall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great and it's movie. Sam Mendes, same director, same actors. Um, but I just found it intolerable. I, I, I didn't like a single thing about it. And, uh, I've definitely seen to be in the minority there. I think a lot more people are, are, are singing its praises. So maybe this is some kind of cosmic thing right now where I'm just not feeling the bond vibe. I don't know. Now, did you read the comic before or after you saw the I movie? read the comic today. Okay. So, so the comic had no influence at no, all. No, no. Maybe the movie had an influence on the comic. That I don't know. No, I don't think it did. I, I, th- I think you're, everything we've, <clears throat> we're pretty much in agreement. It's just, I, and I don't, I don't view, um, James Bond in, in the same way I would do like Spider-Man or Superman or anything like that. But I, I think, or Star Trek, I just, I think that, um, I, I just, I enjoy the character. So I'm going to look for the silver lining regardless, but, um, I, I've seen all the movies and I mean, even the bad ones. So it's, it's, I'm used to bad bond. I wasn't expecting it in comic book form. I just, I know what Warren Ellis can do. And it was just weird to see Warren Ellis do this with James Bond. I mean, the man wrote global frequency and it's, and this is, and 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 right. this is what you're giving us for James Bond. I just I'm not I'm not sure what's going on, and I will we'll see when I get the second issue. Maybe if I get the second issue before I have to order any more, um, maybe I just I I I dislike having actually Jack Cross, which was a a DC book. Bunch of years ago that was set in what was crazy is that it was set in the DC universe proper. So it wasn't like a, a an offshoot or, or the impact universe or anything like that. It was set, but it was a, a very graphic, not very graphic, but it was, it was a more hardcore character. And, and the guy was kind of like Frank Castle in the sense that it, he, he gave zero fucks and he just, he, he did whatever he had to do to get things done. He worked for an organization, but even that was more James Bond than the James Bond in this comic book. Wow! If I remember correctly, Jack Cross was a three-issue limited four-issue miniseries. Gary or Scott was it? Art. Yeah, it was four. Yeah. I have all four. I think they're usually right next to me too when I'm recording because it's just it's where they're, they're stacked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because you love them. I do. Yeah. I, I, I reread them like every couple of years. I do enjoy it. I, I have them too. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, he would, you know, it's before he oh. would do the damage to, to, to whatever body part, it would kind of like close up in on that panel. And it was just, it was, it was very, very well done. And it was, um, it was more of a, uh, I don't want to say a thinking man's book, but they, they, it, they did a lot more, um, showing and not telling. And, and, and it, I liked it. And it was, it was different for DC at the time. And I mean, the fact that the character like this, it was, very much kind of had the same MO as the Punisher set in that DC universe. I mean, this was well before new 52, well before 52. And, and it was just whether or not they, he was eventually going to meet up with, with any of the justice league or anything like that. I don't know. I'd, it's weird that it just ended at four issues. I'm sure maybe after DC realized what Ellis was doing, that they really didn't want that in their universe. But, uh, it is what it is. If you can find it, you know, there, 
my 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 pre one of my in your travels is is if and I've said it before on the show, but if if you can find it, get Jack Cross. I think you'll um you'll enjoy it. But yeah, that like I said, that was just I I I, I cut Vince off when he was going to talk about it. But go ahead. Oh, you didn't cut me off at all. Something came to mind. I like it. Uh, this past week, I was lucky enough to catch the uh, Chip Kid curated uh, show at the Society of Illustrators. This is your the favorite? Batman, no, <laughs> the the Bat Batman Black and White, the sketch covers. Did uh, I don't know? Have either of you get to that show? Nope. I find it amazing that Batman, which if you peek behind the the curtain at Diamond Comics. We all know that Batman is the book on which uh, they base their their sales charts. Batman is the median. Uh, when they when they do the ranking, they use the sales of Batman to determine that mystical number for whatever um, place the book falls on the list. Correct. So therefore, Batman is the mainstream. It is the the medium between the highs and the lows. I walk into the show and the majority of the artists that contributed sketch covers are indie and underground artists. Now, it wasn't a big surprise considering Chip Kidd, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were the ones you would expect to see, like Howard Chaikin, John Cassidy, um, the, the, you know, the regu- the fan favorite guys were, were there, most of them. But you had Kim, Kim Deitch. Uh, Gary Gianni, who did an amazing cover. Um, Dan Klaus did one. Um, Milton Glaser didn't even try. Uh, because he's Milton Glaser, he doesn't have to try. Uh, but the, the, the most amazing cover, and you're not gonna be surprised at this, Gary Panter did a sketch cover, which wasn't a sketch, it was an illustration of, of the, uh, the good old days, like the Bill Finger, Bob Kane era Batman with the Batmobile with the ears and it's streaming down the street and it was just amazing. And I tried to get the screws off the wall to take the sketch cover, but they were, they were just, <laughs> just screwed in too tight. Um, but an amazing assemblage of artists. And, um, I, I had the privilege to meet, well, privilege. I, I had the fortune to run into Chip Kid. And, and he was with Seth, who is a very, very sharp dresser. Um, and I talked to him for a little while, uh, not maybe about five minutes, but I mean, that was cool, I guess. You kept it real with him. I did. I did. I, I, I asked him how it felt to take money for nothing from DC for doing the convergence covers. And what did he say to that? He laughed. He laughed at me. All right. I said, I guess when you're a chip kid, you can get paid for putting a fade. On a pre-existing image. And how many covers did he do? Uh, two variant, two variant covers per issue. Yeah. Times how many issues? Over, over 20, over 40. Yeah. So you figure, okay, you're chip kid, you're not getting paid peanuts to do a, a variant cover. You're getting paid good money when you got the name, right? Yeah. So, so say he got lowball it. Say he got like 800 bucks per cover. Mm-hmm. 1600 per miniseries for putting a fade on the left-hand side 
in the right-hand side of all these images. And I know it's all the concept, and we, we've heard the, the famous in, interview about the Citibank logo, and and um, I won't get into it, but a simple line was dri- drawn over the Citibank logo, and that person got X amount of dollars, and she said, when asked how it felt to get a nice chunk of money for simply drawing an arc, on, on 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 this pre-existing logo she said you didn't pay for me to draw the arc you paid for the 40 plus years of experience that led yeah. me to know that all that needed was that arc yeah. and i get that i get it but a fade on a cover and and you're, you're getting paid for this dude and he just laughed mm-hmm. he just he just laughed at me and kept walking <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah Probably walking was, like what an asshole Whatever. As I had I had to speak the I, truth. I appreciate that you it, spoke the truth. It's it's ridiculous. Come on. You see those covers on the on the stands, they're not striking. They're just they're just lame. They are. Yes. They are. No argument there. But no, it it was a good time. Um as we alluded earlier about my meeting with an artist, and I like to think that I don't get starstruck. I mean, look at all the people we've had on the show. Jonathan Hickman, like, we've had really big, Jason Aaron, really, really big names, accomplished people mm-hmm. on this show, and I don't get tongue-tied. My stomach was in a knot about three hours before I was to sit down with this person, and it only got worse. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, seriously. You squirted in the pants? I told him, I, I sent him a message afterwards, and I said, brother, I hope I wasn't. I didn't come off like a babbling idiot because I was really nervous, extremely nervous. And that is unlike me. And uh, I'm, I'm talking about Josh Bayer. And I, and I said to him, uh, I got a, an intro from him. And I said, all right, here's what you do. Say, this is Josh Bayer, world's greatest living cartoonist. And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He's like, it's not true. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. But I think it's true. You You don't think it's true. Big deal. But he wouldn't do it. And I do. I honestly think he's the world's greatest living cartoonist. And extremely smart. Maybe you'll hear some of it in the coming episodes. I don't know. I got, I recorded it. Um, but mostly for, for my own benefit because he's very smart, very knowledgeable. He's got an amazing way of looking at, I asked him how he conquered the fear of drawing the way he wanted to draw, not the way because w- when you're an artist, you, you look at the, the page and you're thinking, there are going to be a lot of other eyes on this page. I have to at least put a good face on and make people think that I can, quote, draw, unquote, right? Yeah. Because, because the, the, the common perception of, of drawing is, and, and we're, we're, this is beat into us from the, 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 the point we can walk, is that good drawing equals realism, <clears throat> equals accuracy. All right, you see it. You've seen it in school. When you were in school, you're like, oh, man, she's such a good drawer. Look at that. It looks just like a horse. That's not good drawing. <laughs> and we talked about Frank Cho. Frank Cho has a very pleasing style. Right. He makes people He makes people happy with the way he accurately draws women in a variety of poses. And... The effects of gravity are apparent on these women. Obviously, he's very good with with apes and 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 foliage and, and jungle scenes and pretty much he can render anything. Is Frank Cho a good drawer? 
a good draftsman? I don't think so. Because I don't think there's any life in his line, personally. I, I like to look at his work, but when I look at the work of Gary Panner and Josh Bayer, that stuff has a pulse. Frank Cho's work looks like he got a chisel and just carved it into the illustration board, which is, it's a style, right? And it works. It's making the dude money, right? right? But to me, it's kind of lifeless, the, the rendering style, whatever. But I mean, I know that's not going to be a popular opinion. I really don't care. I like the guys that get their fingernails dirty, that, you know, splatter and they show there's a pulse to the line like Josh Bayer. And I asked him, where does that come from? And he told me. And I'm not going to tell you guys because it's a very closely guarded secret. Wait, what? I'm not telling you. What? Fuck it. Uh... That, no, that's like asking, you know, uh, <clears throat> Toll House, what's the secret ingredient in their chocolate chip Dude, cookies? Do you know how retarded this is? I'm not telling you. You, yeah, but you're on, you're on the radio right now talking about this and then you're like. It's about balance. It's about balancing the, um, the expectations one has in their own work with the, uh, whatever the expectations may be in the viewer and then later on completely disregarding the expectations of the viewer. You have to develop a fearlessness and it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come overnight. Um, and you basically have to shield yourself from all kinds of criticism and do it the way you want to do. And it's incredibly difficult. Not many people can do that. Gary Panner can do it. Josh Bayer can do it. Um, I don't know of many, many others. Uh, ben Mara can do it. We talked about Ben Mara. Uh, we talked about Bayer's books that are coming up, um, on which Al Milgram worked. And Herb Trimpey, it's Herb Trimpey's last produced artwork. Oh, wow. Will be, will be appearing in a Josh Bayer book. Neat. Yeah, it's going to be great. So keep an eye out for that. So it was the chill? Like, you guys going to be friends? Are you going to keep talking? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope I didn't scare him off. Like, I bought him, did, I bought him dinner. Did you really? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, but shit, yeah, I couldn't let him pay for food. <laughs> He's Josh freaking Bayer. Well, Golden Corral had- is. It's no, true, right? no, we were up, we were up in Chelsea. Oh, la da. I, right, I forget yeah. the name. I forget the name of the, the diner, but it was just great. I could sit there and listen to that man forever. Mm-hmm. Apollonian, Dionysian, every he was just laying it all out. This is how I do it, and I was, I was, I was mesmerized. That's I was enthralled. Enthralled. But I understand that many people, uh, especially if you're a mainstream fan, you're not going to get why I feel this way, and you shouldn't. You like what you like. I like what I like. We all like what we like. And I just think he is the absolute best. Well, that's all. And no one's, best thing about it is no one's wrong. That's right. If if Frank chose your number one, more power to you, brother. Exactly. Yep. You guys are still behind on Southern Bastards, aren't you? I didn't read 12. I read 11. I mentioned that last week. Well, but you didn't read 12, though. I did not read the fill-in. The fill-in issue, if you want to call it. Fill-in, dude. I'm saying I don't consider it a fill-in issue because Latour wrote it, right? And Chris Bruner, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the preview pages look amazing. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, but no, I did not read it. The uh, enjoyed it very much. Shout out to Chris Bruner. He was actually supposed to be at Heroes and was going to do some art for me, but he had to cancel at the last minute because he got a gig. So I haven't actually met him yet, but very stoked. Um, he he is like the love child of Latour and Jim Mafood. Wow. Um, 
And I, again, I won't get into the specifics of the issue because my man Dab and my man Vince are behind, but it's the, the, the happenings in this book, part of them tend to be hallucinatory and fever dreamish. Sweet. Which really lends itself to the fill in. It, it's, it's, it, it's so, man, I mean, Latour and Aaron are so smart because, you know, Aaron gets to write an issue. Aaron, I mean, sorry, Latour gets to write an issue that Aaron takes off. And then they, they have a, a different artist, Bruner, but, but they have Bruner when he's drawing the scenes within the world itself that we're being introduced to look relatively evocative of Latour's style. But then, like I said, half the issue is taking place in a certain character's mind and it's in drug addled mind. And so he get, Bruner gets to go crazy with the, modern pop art graffiti-esque helter-skelter bright color vision that you wouldn't fit at all into this book if it was taking place in the world that we've been introduced to thus far. But within the mind of someone that's drug-addled and hallucinatory, it makes all the sense in the world. So really, really smart decision-making on their part for this issue to, you know, if they were going to have it be different, it made sense that it was different because it took place in somebody's subconscious so, um, yeah, man, a lot, just, this book continues to astound and, and I love that they're taking their time. We're introduced to yet another new character. Um, we're getting ever more closer to the homecoming game Excellent. against Matumka. Um, and, uh, you know that soon enough shit's about to go down. You know? I can imagine, um, a love child between Jim Mafood and Jason Latour. I can, I can see it. Well, and you can tell Latour wrote this because there's a moment where one of the characters is presenting presents to another character, <laughs> and he gives the guy Zubas, which nice. is hilarious. Yes. Because if anyone's ever seen Latour at a con, they know that he is a very big fan of wearing the Zubas. Yep. So. What's a Zuba? Zubas are those baggy MC Hammer sweatpants that have the zebra stripes. Okay, graphic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very tapered at the ankle and and, yeah. and billowy towards the waist, elastic band. You, a lot of weightlifters will wear them, or, or old NFL pros. Not old, but like or, or NFL Guidos. pros from the 90s. Or, or Guidos, yeah. If a bone of only a family reunion, there's got to be at least three or four pair of Zubas. Absolutely. <laughs> i got to check these Zubas out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Vinny's probably wearing them right now to bed. Probably the family <laughs> crest. You might guess. Uh, to bed. There's no school tomorrow. No school so tomorrow. They'll... they'll no, they'll be up till like three o'clock. Why? Why no school? I don't know. There's no school. No. Damn, must be nice. Yeah. I want to give a little quick um, shout out to some of our podcasting brothers. Oh yeah. Two things actually. First of all, on a very happy note, oh yeah, uh, our our boys at iFanboy, Ron, Josh, and Connor, uh, this week just celebrated their ten year anniversary. God damn, a whole decade. And at first, does Ron, does Ron really get to celebrate though? Well, I was getting to that. So okay. no disrespect to Paul Montgomery, who held it down for about two years in Ron's stead. The show is, you know, it's to me, the show was those three guys who are been best friends since their freshman year in college and started the company together. And, and so when Ron was doing his thing in image, I mean, look, it was awesome. I, I would have made the same choice, but it wasn't the same. And now that Ron is back in the fold, it's as if 
it's like riding a bike, you know, that, that I mean, they have that natural chemistry that they never lost because it's not like they stopped being great friends. And so it's just back to being just wildly entertaining from start to finish. Um, but yeah, so they had their 10 year anniversary and, uh, Ron has been doing iFanboy for about as long as we've been doing, uh, collectively, uh, uh, this show cause he missed about two years, but no, it's super cool that they, I mean, I mean, look, there aren't many podcasts that have 10 years going, right? Much less comics sure. podcasts. I yeah. mean, you know, they, you could, I think other than maybe Bruce Rosenberger and collected comics library and CGS and I think AC, I mean, they, they have to be right in that sort of same timeline, right? And meanwhile, Rosenberger, Collected Comics, and AC are long gone. Well, Collected Comics isn't long gone, but it is gone. And iFanboy's still going strong, so there's something to be said for that. And then I was thinking, like, you know, we've been at this for about eight years, but if we include you guys doing bullpen bulletins, like, you're not too far off that 10-year mark, the two of you. Nope. We started in uh, September 06. There you go. So you're about, you're 10 months away from 10 years yourselves, which is pretty crazy. Um, but on a much sadder note, although I don't want to make it too sad because I think they're happy about the decision. Um, our good friends at Sidebar, uh, recorded and aired their final episode this week. Uh, aptly titled the finale. I believe it's episode 337. Um, yeah, 337. And, um, there's a lot of, I, I feel a lot of, uh, emotional symmetry with those guys. Um, for, first of all, they've been, they, they're wrapping up after an eight year run. I, I don't remember what, when officially they started, but they got started right around the time that we got together. Very close. I don't know if they preceded us by a month or two or we preceded them, but, but essentially we were at this for about the same amount of time. Um, number two, we first heard about them, or at least I first heard about them when Scotty was on our show. I think the first time he was ever on and he, he shouted them out to us and said, you guys got to listen to this other podcast called sidebar. And so I started listening very early on to their show. Um, and for those of you out there that haven't listened to sidebar, it's an incredible show because on one hand, it's got the colloquial nature of three good friends talking about stuff they love together, not dissimilar to us. But they did something that I haven't seen many other shows do, and those that have haven't done it as well as them, which is that they really focused in a very thoughtful, professional, and academic way about about the, the process of art in a way that very few other shows do, and including including we do occasionally, but we talk about a whole litany of things, you know, ranging from anything we really feel like these guys really focused on art and illustration. They had as many famous illustrators that didn't really do comics per se on their show over the years as they did comics creators. Um, and they just were impeccable inter- uh, interviewers, just impeccable. And I think because of their focus on illustration and the process, they were able to get uh, creators on um, for long form interviews that really wouldn't do any other show ever. Um, so it's, it's always been one of my favorite shows um, and the finale was, was heart wrenching, man. I mean, if, if, I mean, they were, they were crying, they, they were reminiscing and, and I have to say I got a little welled up because not to sound corny, but you know, like, um, we don't get paid for this, right? I mean, we do right. this cause we love to talk to each other and it's incredibly flattering that we've built an audience and 
have some notoriety and all that stuff. And it's definitely cool. Like those are cool perks. But at the end of the day, we do this to talk to each other. It's, a, it's an excuse, right? It's, it's like hardwired that no matter what else is going on in our lives, we have time that we set aside for us to talk together each week. And so to see these guys that I think still are at the top of their game end it, and they didn't really get into the reasons why they're ending it, and it's their own business, except that they said it was time and that their lives were being pulled in different directions. Uh, you know, it hit home because, like I said, there, there are contemporaries. I think without sounding like, uh, I don't want to sound braggadocious, but, but I would put them in the same kind of pantheon as us in the sense that I think that they were consistent and delivered a high quality show that was well regarded. I'd like to think we're in the same boat. Um, and just to hear them sort of reminisce about the eight years and, and, and there's so much commonality because, uh, Dwight, uh, and, and Swain were friends before the show, not dissimilar to you two, um, and Chris to, to an extent with you guys. And then, uh, Adrian, they got to know through podcasting and comics. And then he joined the show shortly after they started. But as they're exiting eight years later, like the three of them are best friends. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so it just, again, it was very evocative of, I think there's a lot of parallels to be drawn from us. And it just, that and the iFanboy this week made me think about how there are probably what a hundred comics podcasts out there now, 200. I mean, I, there, there's, there's an unbelievable amount of comics podcasts and I'm sure many of them are wildly popular and they have listenerships completely different than our own and hosted by people that may not even know we exist. But there aren't that many OGs that have not pod faded, right? I mean, a lot of the shows that we were friends with or knew of when we got started have pod faded and just have gone by the wayside. And there's not that many that are still out there getting it done. And uh so, like, on one hand, I'm super proud of us that we're still doing it and having fun doing it and I have no intention to stop doing it. Um, but on the other hand, like, I'm I'm super melancholy and want to tip my cap to these guys because um, I don't think you could do a show – any better than they did it. And they did it for eight years and they did 337 episodes of, of really brilliant, brilliant entertainment. And they did it for the love of the medium. So I tip my cap to Swain, Dwight and Adrian. And uh, the good news is I think they're planning on coming to C2E2 nice. this year, which is great. So we'll get to see them. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, they actually shouted us out on the show, um, which was very nice of them. So uh, yeah, man, like tip my cap to those guys. And the one thing I'll say is if, if you're, kind of a casual listener of theirs or not a listener, they had a kind of a hybrid model where they would do certain interviews that they did. They would put behind a paywall. Um, but now for the next three weeks, every episode they've ever done is available for free. And it sounds like they're going to just, they're going to close their everything down the site, their Libsyn, iTunes, everything. So for three weeks, you can download any episode that you want that they've ever done. It's yours. Um, but then three weeks from now, it's all going to disappear. So if you're at all interested and checking out some of the things they've they've talked about, and I highly recommend it if you haven't listened to the stuff before. Go over to their site, it's sidebarnation.com, and check out their bar archives and uh, give it a whirl. Because again, they've talked to people that no one else has gotten a chance to talk to. Um, so yeah, man, just much love to those guys, and uh, congrats to the uh, fanboy dudes, and congrats to Sidebar for a, a hell of a job well done, and uh, congrats to us for for staying alive. <laughs> yes, so, you know. Yeah, you can attribute that to David. David's the the, the loving glue. glue that keeps us together. Yes. The glue. Yeah, but um, you know, you mentioned it. I want to just uh, single out Chris Marshall from the Collected Comics Library, who has also closed his doors. Yeah. 
recently. And uh, I got to admit, way, way back in the day when uh, CGS was first getting started, I listened to Chris Marshall and I absolutely hated it. Mm. I He was talking about golf more than he was talking about comics. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, who is this guy? And I gave it about 30 or 40 episodes and I was just like, I can't take it anymore. But after meeting him, hanging with him, went back, listened to them. I, I may have been a little bit harsh on Mr. Marshall, and uh, we've all grown to love him. I, I really love the guy, and uh, I just want to thank Chris Marshall for everything he's done. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Great, great, great I, stuff. It's making me feel old, to be honest, though. You know, like, nah. no, I mean, not in a bad way. I mean, not, not like, not that, but, but it just, I'm eight years is a long time, guys. It really yeah. is. I'm not. I'm not sure. I agree with uh, the sidebar guy's uh, choice to let all that stuff go away. Well, look because again. That, it's their choice, and I don't know why or the wherefore. No, I'm no. Not, I mean, I don't. No. They didn't offer up an explanation why. I didn't. Right. Ask, I, so I, I don't. I completely understand that. But from an archival point of view, where this is very, very valuable information that is not documented on paper or on a blog or, or electronically. Uh, at least not in text. Um, it, this stuff needs to be preserved because you said it yourself. They've interviewed people that nobody got a chance to interview, and I would not let those fade away. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, they made it very clear, and it, it, they say so on the website too. I mean, they have no issue with anyone um, downloading every episode they want and keeping them and hosting them. So, I mean, you know, maybe... Maybe I'll reach out to Swain and we, we could download all episodes and host them on our site just for there, for there, there. Cause I'm reading it now. It says they're, they're taking down all the blog and all their hosting sites. So you're right. Oh, we don't have that much space. Just get the ones that they, <laughs> they, they, they well, There you go. Maybe they don't want to have to pay the fees if they're not going to do the show. I don't That's know. exactly probably yeah. why they're doing it probably. But still, I mean, somebody should reach out to them. Somebody give them to the, um, the, there, there are many websites that, that archive, um, material for for dissemination um you know you get your vintage pulps and your your magazines and stuff there, there are tons of websites that do that yeah maybe maybe someone like that will reach out to them well it was fun too because they they like i said there was some emotion and all that but they also were laughing about some of the things that happened and they it's the last episode so they were talking about uh creators that they tried to have on over the years but just never never happened for whatever reason and some of the guys that said they do the show and then blew them off. And it was, it was just a lot of fun to see these guys uh, yeah. talk about this. And, 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 and Adrian, um, who's much younger than those other two, you know, I mean, he was talking about how he was literally a fanboy listening to their show. And then he met them at, at, um, uh, not, not SCAD, uh, but what's that, uh, what's that, what's that arch, art show down there that, that, that rack rich always wanted us to go to every year. Um, I can't think of it. Um, oh, the, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, the Spectrum show. Yes, thank you. He met them at one of the Spectrum shows and introduced himself and then quickly became friends and then joined the show. But, you know, he was saying when he was first doing the show, I mean, he was a young guy, didn't have a car, taking a bus at work, didn't really have a full-time job, was pretty mature. And, you know, now he's married with a kid and he's got, you know, got a good career. And, he's, you know, he's like, I own a car. Like, this was just very, very nice to hear, like, you know, eight, eight years is a long time in a person's life, right? Like, a lot of shit happens in eight years, man. Like, yep. it's crazy. So, uh, yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. And here we are. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. 
I love you guys. Well, especially when you take every other week off, right? Dicks. Here we go. (laughs) If you want to get cheap comics, there's absolutely only one place to go. And I'll let these guys tell you. Discount comic book service. There you go. Discount comic book service. DCBService.com. I'll read the list again. You should order every one of these. I, I back each one of these books up as being aesthetically sound. You, they will be very valuable additions to your comics library. Shut up and press the order button. Hit, hit the little, the little shopping cart next to the book. From Titan Books. Enki Bailao, the Nicopole Trilogy, will set you back $19.24. That's 45% off the cover price. Ted McKeever's back with Pencilhead, five-issue limited series, $1.99 for the first issue, half price. And from Fantagraphics, Josh Cotter, very, very strong, very um, amazing voice in comics. Doesn't do a whole lot of stuff. He hadn't. He there, well, I don't want to get into it, but he entered a period where he just didn't make comics. Now he's making them again, and it's reason enough for you to jump on this. It's from Fantagraphics. It's called Not Away. The cover price is twenty four ninety nine. You can get it for sixteen dollars and twenty four cents. If you look at my order form, you will find each one of these on it. It's the truth. In your travels, more Valiant. Big surprise. My favorite Valiant character. Who is it, David? Faith. No. <laughs> Who is it? Oh, it's Rye. It's not Rye. It's Bloodshot. Same thing. I. No, it's not. The Descendants. Ancestors love, and Junk. It is Bloodshot. You're adorable. I love Bloodshot. Oh, my goodness. Written by Jeff Lemire. Art by Butch Geis. And uh, David Barron. Also did stuff... <laughs> On here, I can, I'm yeah. looking for the credits. I'm it was instrumental. The, I'm looking for the credits page, and I can't find it. Where is it? But anyway. Here's uh, professionalism here, folks. This is a, it, it's a new arc. It's called The Hunt. Um, as you know, Bloodshot is searching for all of the nanite-infused people that are running around uh, bearing the, the crimson uh, circle of Bloodshot, doing really nasty things. And it turns out... That, um, well, Bloodshot gets down and dirty with magic. Yeah, he does. Uh, I guess Kay, love of his life, wasn't really all, <laughs> all that important <laughs> to him. Cause he's, he's bumping uglies with, uh, magic. And there's also, uh, a little bit of coitus in this issue from two other people who you would probably never expect would have coitus. Ooh. But, but yeah, but, um, Bloodshot's on the hunt for, for, uh, all these nanite infused people, but he's not the only one. Someone else, see the nanites call to Bloodshot, like a siren song, oh, come get us. And, uh, Bloodshot obeys because he wants his full power back. Someone else has deduced that if I just listen to this, maybe I'll find other people who are, um, who have the blood. And I'll be able to take their power too. So shit's going to go down. And the art is beautiful. The story is great. And you should be reading Bloodshot. Bloodshot's amazing. He's like Frank Castle on super jacked up steroids. And he's a lot like Frank Castle. I'll be honest. He's, He's very much like Frank Castle. But unlike Frank, who has to worry about being shot 
and killed Bloodshot doesn't really have to worry about that. It's not a concern all that much. Now it is because he's not at full power. But when he's, you know, Bloodshot Prime, you know, that's to worry about too much. Read Bloodshot. Do it. Live Bloodshot. Sell your soul. Wow. That was, uh. Yeah. I know. I just love these books. You do. I cannot get enough of the damn Valiant. I'm sorry. I will lay off the Valiant for a week or two. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do, dog. Exactly. No. But I, I like I like the banter. I like the interplay between all of us. When you when David does, hasn't read it, that it, it's it's reduced, and I know you get it takes you forever to read the Valiant books, Jason. Yeah, I'm way behind. It's fucked up. <laughs> I know, man. Listen, I'm not, not, not proud of it's it. It's seriously fucked up. Not proud of it. Publisher of the uh, year goes to Valiant. <laughs> now I might I might have two in your travels. That's okay. But it, you can have well, ten. no, it, it. I'll only do one if Jason tells me he has something written by Tom King. For my in your travels? Yes. No, I don't. Okay, then, real quick, because I told Tom I was going to write something. I was going to do a status update about it because I love the damn issue so much. Read vision number one because it, I, I like what Tom does with Tim Seeley on Grayson. I enjoy Omega men. I kind of have an idea about what Tom King could do. I was, I had nothing. I didn't know what to expect with vision because if you read Avengers zero, you know what he did to himself. And, uh, and, and we pick up pretty much from there with the whole family of, um, of the visions. And it is a, I don't want to spoil anything. I just, the the art is really fitting. It's got a real funky twilight zone-ish feel to it. Uh, I like the storytelling. We're introduced to characters and then like, you know, he's going to kind of tell you what's going to happen to them at the end of the story. So, but it's almost like as an aside where it has nothing to do really with what's going on on the pages right now. It's just something to keep in mind later. And, and I, I really, really like that. So in your travels, pick up vision. Uh, but I plowed through about a dozen or so. 14, 15 issues of the Brian Michael Bendis written Uncanny X-Men. What? Ending with issue 600. 600. Uh, so I read numbers 24, which starts off with like, which, which is that original sin issue where they read the, um, last will and testament of, uh, of Charles Xavier. And we find out that, uh, basically Chuck being the dick that he is, he, he hid something from his students. For years, he, Charles did what he has always preached and implored that his students would never do. And Chuck basically suffocated. He, he, he silenced a mutant because this mutant is completely off the charts. Charles didn't want him the mutant's name is Matthew Malloy. Charles did not want this mutant to fall in the wrong hands, did not want to be nurtured or molded by someone like Magneto, did not want, at the time, because of the way the Avengers and the Fantastic Four viewed mutants, he didn't want anybody to, 
uh, taint this individual's, uh, outlook. And, and if anything could set this child off, uh, it, who knows what could happen. So Charles basically kind of just mind wiped him a bit and, and sent him about his merry way. He raped him. He, he kind of raped him. And he, uh, and when Jennifer Walters is, is the, the, uh, the, the arbor, she's the person who's going to read the will. And so she needs everybody present. So you need Aurora. You need Henry McCoy. You need everybody, including Scott Summers. So they go and they find, they, they, they go to the old Weapon X facility. They grab Cyclops and, and Emma and Kitty and they bring the three of them back. Ileana brings them to, um, to the, to the Jean Grey school. And when we find out, first of all, that Charles is leaving something to his wife, Raven Darkholm. That draws a few gasps and, and, and they're not quite sure what the hell to take about that. But then they also, he also says that I leave, um, I, I need you people. I need, I need whoever is in charge, who he pretty much thinks is going to be Scott Summers, and your most, your strongest psychic, uh, your strongest telekinetic, your strongest mind control person, because you need to take over for me and watch this kid. Watch, watch this person who's now grown up to be a young adult. Um, but it's too late because Homeboy basically destroyed, pretty much destroyed South Carolina. So Maria Hill and Shield show up. Uh, all hell is breaking loose. They try to, the, the kid kind of reminds me of basically like Franklin Richards or Onslaught. He's just, it's, he's going to do bad things. And I was a little bit bummed because of the way that, that Bendis kind of wrote himself out of it and, and basically it kind of was the only way he could get out of that corner, but it, 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 part of me felt, it feels like it's a little bit of a cop out, but that ends the way it ends. And then we have a couple of issues where we're, we're not treading water, but because I don't know the timeline, I don't know if these were coming out during the beginning of, of secret wars or what was going on, but you had, you had an issue with, um, Ileana and, and Kitty where they're kind of like trying to, um, Make sure they're cool with each other because, you know, Kitty's been in space and, uh, as close as they used to be growing up that, that, that they've kind of grown apart a bit. So, uh, they're kind of on a girl's day out. And, uh, so there was an issue devoted to that. There was an issue about Scott and Alex because Alex has quit the Avengers and basically Scott Summers is going to turn himself in. And, and, uh, he, he's got an announcement to make. He breaks up with Emma and he, uh, he basically, he needs to do this. He's being very selfish about it, but he needs to handle what he needs to handle. So he doesn't want anybody else involved with it. He doesn't want to bring anybody else down with him. It's all on him. So there was an issue devoted to that. There was an issue, uh, of about the new mutants that Scott and Emma found during the course of Uncanny X-Men, like Eva Bell and Triage and, and Gold Balls. And, and so there was an issue about this, this team, this hero squad. And then they, 
they realized that they need to get to the Jean Grey school. So there, there were a few issues of just kind of putting some of the players in place just so we could get to issue 600, which was a really, really good issue. It, it, it basically wraps up everything that Bendis was doing between all new X-Men and uncanny X-Men. And I, I, I thought it had a nice little bow to it because it, you know, Hank set this whole thing up. You know, he, he brings the original X-Men, the first class back. He brings them to the, to the present day to, to, to their future, not knowing what's going to come of it because he doesn't want, he's hoping that he, he can fix or cure Scott for whatever, uh, things Scott's dealing with and he's hoping that, you know, he can prevent things. And, and so he fucks this whole thing up. So the entire school is kind of doing an intervention because Hank is kind of just closed himself off from everybody. There's everybody's got an issue with everybody has an issue with Hank in some way, shape or form. And while they're having this, well, he, he refers to it as a trial, but while they're having this intervention, you have other little side stories and you have a, a few pages drawn by, uh, Mahmoud. You have a few pages drawn by, uh, Fraser or basically anybody who drew any of the X-Men books, any of the X-Men stories that Bendis has written over the past couple of years. So you've got your, your Bachelor, you've got your, everybody but Eminem, I think, but everybody told a little story about some of the characters and Bobby, younger Bobby, who, who, who of course is, has come out. He has a conversation with older Bobby about, uh, why older Bobby never came out. Uh, and, and Jean is still an idiot because she's still nosing around other people's heads, even though no matter how many times they implore her not to. Um, Bobby is a huge, older Bobby is a huge dick for, for most of this because he just, he, he can't stop needling Scott. Any chance he get like, like whenever during, while they're reading the will and there are some good lines, but, but Bobby's still being a dick about it. There was, there was something that, that Chuck says while, while they're reading his will and, and Scott's like, I can't believe that this is, this is, Charles's last wish and Bobby's like I'm pretty sure Charles's last wish was like oh no Scott please don't kill me but you know and it it, it so there are just some moments like that but overall I thought it was a fantastic um finish to what Bendis did so and and it's it's a good sized book but yeah Uncanny X-Men 600 is my new travels it's been a while since I talked about the X-Men but this kind of just there's a there are a couple little things there's, there's a time travel sequence going on and, um, there's one thing that, that kind of just bugged me because magic goes back in time and, and talks to, um, Dr. Strange and she shows back up in the present time with the eye of Agamotto. And it's like, I'm sure Steven got it back, but we never, it's never mentioned. And it just, it, it's out of everything else that, that Bendis was, putting a nice little bow on and, and the whole thing with, uh, with how he fixed the situation with Matthew Malloy. It just seemed weird that the eye was never mentioned or uh, you're just supposed to guess or assume that that magic brought it back to, 
Stephen Strange years ago. But other than that, other than that little part, I, I really, really dug it. And I realize I went on way too long about this, but definitely check out Uncanny X-Men 600. Can you say gold balls again? Gold balls. <laughs> I'm glad you dug it, Pooh. Did you read it? I ha- I did. You didn't like it? I liked parts of it. Okay. I really didn't like the Bobby stuff. Although that was crazy, but I, 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 the older Bobby stuff, I thought that was ridiculous. But, um, but no, I like, I like, I like the, the, the larger concept of it, but I think, I think Bendis, uh, you know, in a world where these guys all have to essentially put all the pieces back and when they're done playing with them, I think Bendis tried too hard to show what a big dicky, but what a big swinging dicky is and, and put pieces in different places because he can. And I think like a lot of them are random. Like, I don't understand why. Like, well, the last page, I mean, Hank being in love with Gene and, and fucking, Oh, the younger ones. Yeah. And Bob and Bobby being gay. I mean, I like Bobby's not gay. Like we've got 40 years of comics. Like I'm all for there to be equality in comics. That's cool. But like Bobby Drake of the 616 is not gay. Like he's not been in the closet. That's ridiculous. That no, he is. A, I, and, and it's, it, it's, I, I view it as, you know, he just, I, I didn't mind his explanation, the older Bobby, but I, I, I also know that there are people who just keep that part closed off and whether it was kind of, it felt forced because of the whole gene involvement and it, it's, I don't know if we needed that scene, but I, I, I didn't, it didn't bother me overall the uh the closing moments with with cyclops and magneto i thought were great hank just kind of walking off into the sunset because or driving off to the sunset and you know we don't know what's going to happen with it. It, it nothing was really put back so yeah like you said it's like here's most writers when they end the story when they end their run they set some things up for the next guy to come along and and run with it but i don't know because this was so delayed i don't know well, I, I have whatever the, the extraordinary X-Men, whatever the, the, the Lemire written series is. I have the first issue of that. I haven't read it yet. So I don't know, uh, if we're picking up right where 600 ended or if we're in a post secret wars world. Um, I'll find out soon enough, but yeah, I, I, like you said, I mean, overall the, the, the gist of, of the issue, I really enjoyed it. And I, the, I think some of the side stories like, like the two Bobbies or even, even with Ileana and, and Peter, like that I could have, I guess, kind of done without. I didn't know that that was such, that that was hanging over everybody's head or at least these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I think much like with Bendis on his Avengers run, I liked a lot of it. Um, and by the end of it, I was very much looking forward to someone else taking their stab at the book. So. Yeah, um, but I love the art in the book. I, I think it's great to see so many of these artists get a chance to draw. Um, these, you know, again, Bendis went up the same way with the Avengers in that regard too. So, a little formulaic, but I think it's a formula that works in that regard to have all those artists come back and do the book. So, I agree. Um, uh, in my travels, I'm just going to do some quick Marvel hits because there's a lot of issues that have been hitting, and, and I just don't see that we're going to have time to go through a lot of them on Moss. So I'm just going to do some quick hits over the last couple weeks that I just. Um, loving, sh- surprising, speaking of Bendis, I'm finding myself surprisingly enjoying Invincible Iron Man 1 and 2. I, 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 um, 
Uh, I, I love the new status quo for Doom. Um, I, I love the new armor. I think it's well designed. It's well drawn. Um, so big fan of that. And I'm, I'm generally not one that, that inclined to read it an Iron Man ongoing for very long. So, um, kudos to them for that. Um, I was crapping on Warren Ellis earlier. Uh, so I'm going to give him props here. Um, Karnak number one. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, I will say this. I, I don't think. I would be very surprised if this book is long for the world because it's, it's, it's definitely not your typical Marvel book, um, either in its focus or, uh, or, or the, uh, the, the characters. But that being said, I'll take it while we have it. Probably be eight to 10 issues is my guess. But, but Ellis drew it and it's, uh, it's actually Vince. I don't know if you, if you read it, but it's, it's drawn by uh, Gerardo Zafino, who is right. like Mr. Zafino's son. Winter World fan. Yes. Yeah, it's the Safino Sun. So very cool. Love that a lot. Um, um thought uh Secret Wars Agent of Atlas number one was weird in the sense that um like I feel like we're nearing the end of Secret Wars Battle World. So I'm not sure why we're getting this now, but but uh but I am reminded by reading this of how much I, I adored Agents of Atlas when it was coming yes. out. Yes, yeah, right. Yep. Um, especially with Gabriel doing the art. I own a bunch of pages from that series, and I, I do love those characters in that setting. So while I'm not sure the book necessarily has much of a place like against anything else, I, I did enjoy it for what it was for sure. Wait, this is Secret Wars Agents Secret of Atlas? Secret Wars Agents of Atlas. Yeah. When did this come out? weeks ago. Like two, it's, three weeks ago? Yeah. yeah. Steve Pugh on art. But right. what's cool, though, is it's got a um, a throwback to the five-issue miniseries. It's got a Leonard Kirk cover. Yes. Was it a one shot? Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, oh okay. Damn. Yeah. That makes more sense. Okay. Um, I, I did. I forget. Did you guys talk about Cap, the first issue of Captain America, Sam Wilson, while I was off? Uh, no, not while you were off. I I talked about it and and was vague about um, well, deliberately about uh, Sam's speech and and his yeah, his bias right. and but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I dug the issue for sure. Um, I haven't read the second issue. I know we have it. I haven't read it. Um, but but I like D-Man getting his, his his shit cleaned up and being his his kind of his tech guy. Um, I like the 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 uh, the Misty Knight over overtures, like they're they're about to hit it to hit it to win it. Um, uh, Doug the art. Uh, not sure how I feel about like I, I'm I'm okay with the idea of, of Sam Wilson, aka Falcon, being kind of a hero of the people and, and going against the man. I'm not sure I understand how Captain America can be that guy. So I'm wondering if this is going to transition quickly from Captain America, Sam Wilson to like Sam Wilson, the Falcon or something, you know, right. Where he kind of abandons the, the red, white, and the blue, which I would be fine with. If that's the direction they're going. But, uh, but I'm an easy mark for Sam Wilson. It's hard for me not to like a Sam Wilson inspired book. Um, new Avengers. Number one, uh, hmm. Um, the, I, I keep hearing from people, and I read number two as well. I keep hearing from people how, uh, awesome a writer Al Ewing is. And, oh, uh, I, I keep hearing it, but I'm not feeling it. Uh, the, the elevator pitch is awesome. Cause one of the things we loved about Hickman's Avengers run was that Bobby DeCosta, 
use this money to buy AIM and make AIM a benevolent organization. And that's really where we pick off, right? Like, like AIM is now Avengers Idea Mechanics and, um, it's, it's the, the research touchstone, which is to drive his new Avengers team to go save the world. Uh, on paper, it's an eclectic group of characters that I, I'm, I'm cool with all the characters individually. Um, but, and, and we just met Gerardo Sandoval at New York and he did an awesome piece on my jam piece, but yeah. Not sure his art is right for this book. Right. Just, I agree. I, I, yeah. I liked it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, no, I'm saying that's cool. That's cool. I mean, I, I, I but I, so one and two, I think the, the story's okay, but it didn't grab me in the way I want an Avengers book to grab me. Um, Uncanny Avengers, number one, our Fire Boy Stegman, written by Jerry Duggan. Very evocative of Jerry Duggan on Deadpool, like, this is a comedy book, so if you haven't read it and you're an Avengers fan, like, know that you're getting into a comedy book here, um, which, again, is fine for me, like, I'm good with that, but, but if you're not, if you're not looking for a funny book, then don't buy this book. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, and, and I will say that Stegman continues to evolve his art. Yep. I mean, this, this art is almost Mad Magazine-esque, um, which is a good thing, like, again, I think it fits the tone of the book, but, um, this looks, it's by whether by design or not, Ryan has created these different chapters of his artistic life at Marvel. Like if you look at the She-Hulk book to, 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 you know, to the stuff he was doing in Hercules to the stuff he was doing on Spider-Man to the stuff he's doing here. I mean, it's all pretty different stuff. I mean, this is different than the Wolverine stuff. This is, this is his own style. And I think the style works with the tone of the book for sure. Um, so when you have Deadpool in a book, uh, as one of the members, lead members of the Avengers, I'm going to stick around. But, uh, again, know what you're getting into here. It's a comedy book. Um, uh, then in terms of, uh, the stuff that just came out in the last week or two, um, Dap, I, I know we should maybe ta- tag team next week on Doctor Strange number two, but I'm definitely digging the Doctor Strange for sure. Yep. Um, I like that too. I can read that. Okay. You can too. Well, I just figured you were already locked into Vertigo next, next week. Uh, Deadpool number one, um, which is by Jerry Duggan and, uh, with art by Mike Hawthorne. Um, Hawthorne's great. Duggan is great, but, um, and I was going to shock people because, um, Mr. Deadpool guy, but, uh, didn't love the first issue. Um, I, I think my issue with Deadpool number one is the issue I'm having with a lot of these books, which is that, I get that we're in a world where number ones are the new way to, 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 that, that are the new thing, right? That they just, that, that's part of the business. Number one sell better. It mar- it's as much it signals a new, a new chapter arc as anything, but I, maybe I'm old school. Maybe I'm a curmudgeon, but if you're going to give me a new number one, like you gotta, you gotta give me a page of setting the tone. You gotta tell me who the characters are. You gotta let me know their significance if we've seen them before. And most of these Marvel number ones this time out. Just jump you right in, and for the most part, they're just continuations of the stuff we had before, with some tweaks. And I, I think that's asking a new reader a lot. So, you know, again, if you've been reading Duggan's Dare, if you've been reading Duggan's Deadpool for the last few years, this book is going to feel just like another issue. Cool. But if you're someone that's looking to try Deadpool coming out of the Secret Wars, I, there's a lot left unexplained. Like we're, we we see Deadpool's wife, but they don't even say it's Deadpool's wife. They don't say who she is, what her powers are, why there's a Wolfman in bed with her. 
Like these are all things again, you know, if you've been reading Deadpool, but, but if you haven't been reading it, it's going to be like, what in the fuck is this going? What's going on here? It doesn't make any sense. So my criticism there is like kind of more of an editorial thing, which is that, man, Marvel, you gotta, I mean, you gotta give people an intro page. You gotta maybe at least tell them who the characters' names are, something like that. And it's not just limited to this book, but this is the one I most, I noticed it most egregiously. Um, and, uh, that's about it. I mean, I guess the only other one I think I read was uh, Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. I started one. that. I didn't get to finish it. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm, I mean, I, I really, really enjoy, enjoyed it for what it was, which is, again, it, first of all, it's awesome that, to see our buddy Brent Schoonover drawing a Marvel book. That's, that's awesomeness into itself. And Frank Barbieri does the, is the writer, and again, he's a friend of the show. Um, so this is basically like, what if the, Monster, the, the Marvel monsters were, um, shield agents. So I don't know how you can go wrong with that. Like, that's just, yep. that's unbridled creativity on the page. And, uh, and Brent is really putting, putting it down artistically in this. So, um, I, Grand thing. yeah, I, I really hope this, this, uh, this book finds an audience. I really do because it's, it was the first issue was a hell of a lot, hell of a lot of fun. Dum Dum Duggan is the leader of the group, but you've got, you know, you've got all of the, well, not all, but you've got many of the classic Marvel monsters, uh, big and small, and uh, it's pretty neat. So, love it. Yeah, that's it. In your travel, catch up on some Marvel, at least the good stuff. Nice. Oh. And you know what? I checked the PayPal account. Uh oh. It doesn't look like it's getting. The, the balance is getting higher, so Tom's check m- mustn't have, have cleared. Shouldn't he be depositing X amount of dollars in our PayPal account every month? <laughs> we mentioned Tom King a lot. It's true. Yeah. And I know. He's not, he's not paying us. He's just good. Blowing up like our pager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Just loves his pager. Uh, my, I, I do. It's pink. <laughs> I got a pink pager. Oh, well, should we go or should we talk about something else? Usually after in your travels, we we go, but ah. I know you're a little rusty. Rusty tit wait. I'm work, we're working on two and a half hours. Good. I like it. Hey, I'm in no hurry to go. Well, is there anything else that we read that we can collab on? I think this is, I think there isn't a thing we talked about tonight that all three of us read. See, yeah, that's I don't like when that happens. Weird, right? Even when one of us, but it's better. Even when one of us is against it, it just fosters just good conversation. I know, man. I know. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I'm trying to think based on what we all said we read. I don't know that there is something that we all. Did you go through your, your previews magazine? Of course. What do you think about this Len Wein, Kelly... Kelly Jones, uh, swamp thing. I give it like eight issues. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the idea that, you know, Swampy's papa is coming back to write mm-hmm. him. And it, it looks like it's in the, uh, the old school of, of swamp mm-hmm. thing, but I don't know. I mean, so close after that landmark run and now they're trying, they're going back to the well. But in a different way, I just don't think I don't think it's going to catch on. I, I don't want that to be true because I'm looking forward to right. it very much. But it got a cover treatment, which is rare. You know, DC usually puts the lantern or the Batman stuff on the cover. True. 
it's as if that's all they publish, but and it pretty much is. But um, it just looks fun, and I don't want it to go away. Like Tom King's Omega Men, there's a name again. It's like buried. Lantern, 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 lantern. Batman, 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 Batman. Oh, look, it's Omega Men. I'll order that one. Like I, maybe I'm jaded, but they need to diversify a little bit. Huh. Well, if you're looking for diversity in this in this month's previews, I would point people's attention to Space Mullet Volume One, One Gamble at a Time. Yes, I was going to talk I about see that. that. Our boy Daniel yeah. Warren Johnson's uh, long-running sci-fi webcomic about a ex-marine space trucker named Jonah and his co-pilot Alpheus, and uh, it's finally being collected. So, <laughs> good times. Yeah, I just think about Space Mullet. It's so good. It is. I love it. Uh, I was just and discussing it's, it's, mullets with my uh, kids this week. They oh, were Lord. shocked that such a thing actually existed. Oh, and man. actually, you, Vince, your ears were burning because I said, actually, you said, guys, you know, Vince, listen, he used to have a mullet. Mega mullet. That is the, awesome. The, meg- the megalodon of mullets, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> show you my wedding picture. It's like, I think you did. That's yeah, ridiculous. That is hilarious. I am pre-ordering Master Race, Vince. Well, good for you. Yeah, so am I. We'll see what the deal is. Did you notice that the discount went went uh, down a little bit? It used to be fifty, now it's like forty five. Well, yeah. Oh, the first issue. The well, first two. Oh, really? No, I did not notice that. Yeah. Was IDW always thirty five percent? I feel like it was. Kinda, yeah. Really? Because I kind of remember it was forty, but then I was looking. I ordered um, the only book I'm, I'm ordering from IDW this month is Weird Love, mm. and it said. 30, that's awesome, dude. Come on. No, I, and then they, it says, uh, 35%. Like, really? 35? Mm. Hmm. And how pissed are the people at IDW about Gem and the Holograms? Oh, dude. Yeah. That movie got savvy. Two weeks. It was pulled. It's pulled. Two weeks. Really? Yep. yep. Now, seriously, do we know anybody that's seen it? No. no. I mean, no. they didn't even spend any, I mean, I don't even know if many people knew it was out. I mean, I don't think, I didn't see any ads for it. Hmm, it's kind of like that Star Wars thing. You know, one thing that, that uh, and I think the reason I haven't talked about it all that much is because you guys haven't read most of it if, yet, but I got to say, man, um, there's something to this, this Vertigo relaunch. I, I think, uh, I, I think Jamie Rich is getting it done. I think he's, I think they got something going here. I mean, I talked, well, you, while you were offense, we talked about Twilight Children of Mario, which was my, definitely the best issue I read last week for sure. That's the Gilbert Hernandez thing, right? And Darwin Cook, yeah. Darwin Cook. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's only a four-issue series, but, you know, I talked about Survivor's Club number one a few weeks ago. I, I, number two is equally as good. Sheriff of Babylon, excellent. Our boy Tom King again. You're turning. Um, I haven't talked about it, but, but Art Ops number one and Clean Room number one were also terrific. So. Really? I mean, that's five right there. I don't, I think there's what, ten coming out? Um, but five of them are very high quality, at least right out of the gate, so. I'm worried about Jacked. I ordered, I, I ordered the first issue of every one of the new Vertigo books, but I, I haven't read Jacked yet. And I haven't read, um, Unfollow or, um, Slash and Burn or Red Thorn or New Romancer. I have the first issues of all of them, but I haven't read those. Well, it's safe to say that Last Gang in Town is going to at least look good. Rufus Dayglow's on the art. Okay, right. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Right. Uh, he of of Tank Girl, um, but Simon Oliver's writing it. Yes, that's right. And I I think the last time we heard from Simon Oliver, wasn't it Exterminators? Did he do everything anything after that? 
Oh, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I can't recall what it was or what they were. Hmm. Yeah, see what I mean? So it's like, I'm glad Simon Oliver's back. Oh, but... here you go. I, you know why? He's been doing um, F- FBP. Oh, that's right. Shit. Y- yes. I like that book. Robbie Rodriguez, pre-Spider-Gwen, Robbie Rodriguez. Right, right, right. Uh, it's a good-looking book. Yeah, so, um, for sure. Uh, what else is, but what else is in previews? Um, just going through my list here. The Egypt trade paperback by Pete Milligan and, uh, oh, who worked on that? Glenn Dillon. I don't think I've uh, heard of that. Oh, it's great. And it's, uh, 50% off, I believe. So it'll cost you 10 bucks for 192 pages. That's cool. Here's a, an admission of guilt. Mm-hmm. I have never read a single issue of Lucifer. Same here. From, okay. from Vertigo. Interesting. Yep. I hear great things about the series. Mm-hmm. Not a one. Not a single issue. Um, all right. That's interesting. Oh, the Abnett and Lanning Guardians of the Galaxy stuff is being collected in omnibus form. What's the name of that book? Huh? Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> David doesn't want me to say what he he knows I'm going to say, but I won't. Why, what are you going to say? <laughs> no, because it's <laughs> it'll get him all frosty. I don't want to say it. Uh, all right. <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> no, it's just it's so stupid. But you know, hey, whatever. One of the things I did order this time. Um, and is by one of my favorite cartoonists, and y'all know him from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jim Lawson, has a, a trade paperback under Dover Publications. It is the collected paleo, the complete collection. Okay. It's 336 pages, cover price 1995. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it's, it's just about, um, the original collection includes all eight issues of paleo. Tales of the Late Cretaceous, as well as a selection of brand new tales inked by Lawson and written by... Now, when you think dinosaurs, who else do you think of? uh, Tyrant? Steve Bissett? Swamp Thing? Steve wrote these. Lawson drew them. So you got to get get in on this. Um, Let me see what it says here. The prehistoric narratives range from the flight of an injured... Oh man, I don't have my glasses on. Uh, Albertosaurus, that doesn't sound right. From a Tyrannosaurus Rex to an orphan Stegosaurus struggle for survival to views of Cretaceous Swamp from the perspective of a dragonfly. Come on! Get this. Lawson's awesome. Cool. Yeah, he's one of the unsung tur- turtles artists, I think. Agreed. Yeah. I think even Michael Dooney gets more love than Jim Lawson. Oh, stop. I like Michael Dooney. But I mean, that's not true, though. Well. I have a domino by Michael Dooney. I know you do. Um, our boy Rick Remender is going back to Dynamite, speaking of Dynamite. I saw that. Devolution. I don't know. Oh, yeah. what do you th- What do you think? Oh, non- home run. Really? Oh, are you kidding me? I wasn't completely taken by the art. Well, really? You don't like Jonathan uh, Wyshek? 
no, I like it, but there's no word balloons on it. And and I'm just like, is the entire issue silent? No, it, you're seeing the art before the word balloons are on it. I don't know. It's it is heavily discounted too. I may just order it. I might my, my orders. I put my order in, but I you know we always add and subtract things till the the final cutoff. Dude, when he says it's getting back to the grindhouse sci-fi pulp that he did on Fear Agent, I'm like done, sold. Yeah, you're right. I don't know what I was thinking. What's well, interesting I'm is at this the, was supposed to be years ago. He announced this, and it was supposed to be with Paul Renault, and I guess that fell through. And now it's now it's with uh, Wishick and uh, Jordan Boyd on colors, but hey, the art's pretty sweet. And Jay Lee covers too, which are sweetness. Mm. <laughs> what you don't like the Jay Lee? <laughs> I like them. I Man, like them enough. You're a hard ass. I like them enough. <sighs> yeah, his Dark Tower covers are really good. They are. That is true. They're very good. But uh, yeah, it's very. I, I like the warm palette you got going on here. Jordan Boyd. It's 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 really nice. No doubt. I'm gonna order it. Fuck it. I'm getting that Frazetta book too. Which one? Sensuous Frazetta. Yes. Isn't that an oxymoron? The sensuous Frazetta. Mm-hmm. Even his dudes are sensuous. Yeah. Dudes. But still. Dudes. Oh, you know what? Shout out to you guys. Know I ordered this because I said, but but I I ordered the second and third volumes of the uh, of the Minara Erotica. <laughs> you pig. I've read most of this stuff before, but it's nice there. You know, dude, they do a great job with these collections though. Like they're spot varnished and oversized and really good. But but um but the first volume's out of print. Get out of here. Yeah. So if anybody has a lead on helping a brother out with that last volume, I'd I'd be happy to acquire it. Well, I thought you have it. No, no, I don't have volume one. Huh. Yeah. Baffling because you love Minara. I do. He does. Huh. Yeah. The dude has a way with women. I have the, I have, um, the graphic novels. I mean, I think they were published by, uh, NBM, maybe. Makes sense. Like I have, I have Click and Click 2 and and Butterscotch. That's what all of that's in. Well, Butterscotch is in the second line, but the two, the Clicks are in the first line. Hmm. I just I love his work. Butterscotch is so naughty. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but you know what pisses me off when those things are, are were put in heavy metal, when they reprinted them in, in heavy metal, they censored them. They put strategically placed word balloons. In heavy metal, them. really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That surprises yeah. me. I I call foul. You don't do that. Not when it's Minara drawing the women. There you go. Yeah. Censorship. Boom. All right. Thanks everyone for, for being here with us. We had a great time. Uh, we don't want to go home. And, and if you don't want to go home, you can extend your, your, your love affair with all things comics by joining us next week. Hopefully we'll do you proud like we did this week. If you enjoyed what you heard, do us a solid. Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a review or wherever you listen to us because David has been, uh, branching out and putting us on really all sorts of places. All sorts, yeah, just places hither and yon. So Podmeamadala.com. Yeah. <laughs> Is there such a place? No, there should be. There should be. There fucking should be. Podme. <laughs> These adorbs. Thanks, everybody. Um <laughs>
Uh, and as usual, my, I was going to get Vince a bunch of dorbs for Christmas. I guess I can't now. Were you really? Tell me you weren't. Oh, I mean, I feel bad now. Dude, I wasn't going to get you dorbs. All right. I got okay. Here. Uh, so, um, I, did you guys do it last week to say goodnight, David? Did you do it? No. No. Oh, man. You weren't we're here. Gonna extra, we're going to do an extra long one oh, because they, they, they slipped up last week. Say goodnight. <laughs> David. Good night. Oh, damn. He must have been counting. David. Oh. Do you actually, do you look at the, at the clock or something no, or you no watch? No, I don't. On the, There's no second hand. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take out the stopwatch next time. You have alien DNA. That's what it is. Gotta be. Gotta be. Gotta be. Say goodnight. I did. We love you. I know. Bye. Pieces. Join us. Watch, watch Ash vs. Evil Dead because it's awesome. Yeah, I got it. And don't forget next week. Oh, no, Vince didn't watch The Walking Dead. I'm going to watch it maybe tonight because I don't want anybody spoiling it. Too late. Was it a big deal? Am I going to be mad? I don't think you'll be mad. What is that going to be mad about? Uh, you know what's I'm going to be mad about. <laughs> Woo, Buffalo. Buffalo Soldier. Ladies, deuces, deuces. Is it worth it? And you and the coat and shoes for the wife, and a bicycle on the boy's birthday. It's just a rumor that was spread around town. By the women and children Soon we'll be shipbuilding Well, I ask you The boy said Dad, they're going to take me to task But I'll be back by Christmas just a rumor that was spread around town Somebody said someone got killed in For saying that people get killed in The result of this ship With all the will in the world Diving Buy in the 
next of kin once again. 